Hello, welcome to the Non-Essential Workers Podcast. This is your uh, host, Alex Rashiotis. And this is one of your other hosts, Aiden Galligan. I'm Jason Rashiotis. He also hosts sometimes. Um, yeah, so this is, a, this is a leftist podcast. We talk about politics, culture, media, various bullshit, whatever we want to talk about. Uh, and to kick us off this week, why don't you take it away, Aiden? All right. So, as is quickly becoming tradition, uh, we are going to, ourselves and with you at home, run through a number of headlines that I have collected over the course of the week. Um, I have not read any further than the headline, because to do so would be to break with American media literacy, and I respect all my fellow Americans very much. Um, and my fellow hosts will be even seeing these headlines for the first time. And uh, beyond kind of perhaps offering some humor or being good jumping off points for discussions of, of politics, et cetera, it's also, I think, uh, we all believe, important to figure out why these headlines have been written and structured the way that they are. Um, because sometimes it may well be innocuous, but often they send a message that is either counter to their contents or might go along with it, but if you're just reading the headlines, then you're not even getting any additional information to kind of fill out that context. Um, and so often, I think we're all a bit worried that people are being wildly misled or pointed in in uh, errant directions by short blurbs that are uh, really strangely put together. And so kind of jumping off the idea of strange, I thought I'd start with one that is... Uh, a bit on the on the on the obviously humorous side, but I think um, kind of speaks for itself. So this is from the New Yorker, and it reads, "How the Pentagon started taking UFOs seriously." <laughs> I, my favorite thing about these headlines is what word they start with. Like last time we talked about uh, when society inevitably collapses, as opposed to mm -hmm. if. How the Pentagon, I, you know, this is a big problem in Washington uh, where every, you know, nerd with a lanyard who gets into these government buildings, like, explaining how the evil machinery crushes bones. Like, I don't care how. I want to know why and why I should care and why this matters. Not how. I don't care about the how. I know the how. It's soul crushing. That's how. So the, so the how to me is, is this jargon, you know, uh, where they, like, not, uh, just jargon used by people in the beltway um but i do think it is funny <laughs> I, I like that it's the pentagon like mm -hmm. we've, we've jumped from maybe there's something alien landing to instantaneously we are at war with them we're preparing how to fight them the united states is unilaterally going to war with the aliens like it's not like they don't kick it over to the executive or the legislature. They, they don't kick it over to like someone who would negotiate. They don't kick it over to the UN. They don't say like, well, what is the protocol? They don't go to like SETI or NASA or like they don't get anyone who's like a specialist in aliens or in anything like that. It's just like, how do we kill it? We need to kill it dead. And then like and even if we even if we assume that, if this was a thing they were taking seriously, why are they telling us? Like, isn't the whole point that we have, like, top-secret strategists, like, planning the ship on closed doors? If, we, if, like, are we just, are we broadcasting the aliens what the plan is? Like, is this, is this article going to be like, oh, yeah, and then we're going to flank to the left 
and shoot the UFOs with like a gamma ray. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? They're not going to print their strategy. So this, this definitionally has to be basically contentless. I'm sure you've heard this, Alex, that one of the more popular ideas around today is that they're letting all this UFO stuff, you know, quote unquote, leak just as a distraction because they've run out of shit to distract us from being an angry mob. Right, right, like, right. Like, but of course the Pentagon's going to be the ones covering this. What else are they going to do? They don't do anything else other than just be like, shoot missile. Okay, cool. So, you know, everyone else is too hamstrung by their limited budgets that get cut every year. What's NASA going to do this? What NASA? What what funding? The weirder take on this, I think, might be they're actively trying to put like fuel back on conspiracy theory fires to kind of justify the hyper conspiratorial nature of current American politics. Like it would almost be like, well, now that we've seen that they'll buy into any sort of bullshit conspiracy theories, what if we just threw more out there? Like, what if it was the dumb ones too? Yeah, like, it just all becomes yeah. up. Yeah. Exactly. Like they could just openly opt because we're like, please op us. We're super, super gullible. Right. The American public has demonstrated that they will believe literally anything. Yeah. So you fucking throw like. out the, just, they may as well run mole people stories. They may yeah. as well run UFO stories. But this is just like American dad. Like they're just putting like the big chin guy and the alien out. Like they're just like, <laughs> let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see if they'll buy it. Watch a couple episodes. It's, it's also interesting, I think, how the headline is, is phrased in that. It like it weirdly seems to like try to humanize the Pentagon. Like it's not like there's nothing technical about the, the way that it talks about the language that it uses. It's like the Pentagon is some like wayward fellow who has like just kind of come to an epiphany that maybe maybe he should start taking UFOs seriously for now. You know, just like maybe yeah, stop fucking around, stop stop taking dead-end jobs, time to take UFOs seriously. Pentagon needs to get its life together. Yeah, it's got big, you know, moralizing father vibes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, it's also like, it's like he's the Kool-Aid man. It's like it's like he's anthropomorphized into a literal being. Yeah. 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 Well, My we good love doing friend, that where we, where we humanize our institutions that are obviously yeah. evil to make them seem, it's, you know, it's like the CIA commercials. I mean, yeah, that that's what yeah. America does. We need more female military buildings. We need more female UFO killers. Yeah, exactly. New on Space Hunters, we're gonna track down for the Pentagon. The, like, it, this is just like, <laughs> it turns into the it turns into the going after Bigfoot. Right, like that's yeah. literally this is like a setup. Some guy paid them so they could do their reality TV show. Basically, I wouldn't put it past them. Oh, what do you? God. Before we move on, what what do you guys think the supposed reason is? Do you think it's like, uh? you know, aimed at, at China or Russia specifically, or do you think it's something broader? What do you think the contents might be? Well, like, the, of the, the actual like, strategy or claims of the article, basically? Yeah, like, like what, what really spurred the Pentagon? If we take the article at face value? Yeah. Or, or yeah, I mean, my, my strong guess would be that it's going to somehow justify, like, putting something in the South China Sea. Just like, why, yeah. why, do, why do we have aircraft there? Why do we have helicopters there? Or why do we have whatever? It's like, I don't we're, know. we're looking for UFOs. No, I think this article's too wonky for that. This is not just like State Department bullshit, I think. I think this is someone who's like, I'm going to do investigative journalism. I'm going to go talk to the cranks at the Pentagon yeah. about how they did the paperwork for looking for UFOs. Right, I guess the question would be, why would the Pentagon humor them? Or like, what is their game? Because they're also insane. Oh, all right. They've been driven insane by modern capitalism. Or how um, they've been driven insane in by a brain-melting ray. In so. terms of answering the actual question, 
I had I don't even know where to start. I mean, I don't know because when they saw some Russian video of the Russian Air Force seeing UFOs, is that when they took it seriously? I mean, uh, when Trump threatened, I'm going to leak all the shit. I'm going to talk about JFK. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. This is and un- un- you know inscrutable to me. I think I think that's a good answer. That from the headline, you have no idea what it could possibly be trying to say. Uh, that's uh, I think we've already seen a. That's how news is supposed to make you feel. Yeah, a threat throughout modern days. Alone and confused. I also missed the obvious title, which should have been how the Pentagon started identifying flying objects. Like, that's the only important thing. Already a clear pun job. Yeah, come on. Do better. (laughs) So uh, another article on the topic of, I guess, America looking outwards, if you can call it dealing with UFOs, foreign policy. This one is from CNN. And it is... Kamala Harris to promote America is back message in Singapore and Vietnam. Oh, uh, God. Two places, I'm sure, are very. You're just, you're just shouting pointing at the sky like Godzilla. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so dark. Right? <laughs> what a bitch. Uh, Kamala Harris so- is going to like Cambodian forests and shouting, <laughs> like, we're back. She's doing the Nixon shake. We're back, motherfuckers. Yeah. Wow, that's like read the room, you know. <laughs> Absolutely wild headline. I, let so this is this is a good example of like America reads everything through its own bias. Like they don't think about how the other parts of the world see us. They only think about how we see ourselves. And so to like you know neoliberal sort of MSNBC type liberal centrist whatever people, Biden is like the return to normalcy. Like he's he's the not Trump. And so Biden and Harris represent this, like, we're back, baby. We're the good America again. But it's like to the rest of the world, we're just like the other version of the bad America. So this is just like a terrifyingly gibberish message to them that has no content. That like, see, either it's like a veiled threat to them and like they, they're not sure if it's like, right. or it's like we're that unhinged that we think that they want to see Kamala Harris, who her own state didn't want to even be present. So like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck Vietnam wants to do with her. I want the people who write these articles and the people who run our country to imagine what, how weird they'd feel if, you know, once, uh, who's the guy who's the leader of France currently? I can't remember his name. He's so boring. Yeah. When Macron won election, he was like the French resistance, the French revolution's back, baby. Like what, what are you talking about? Who is this for? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to cut benefits. The French revolution's back. It's like, (laughs) What do we think the reception's gonna be in Singapore and Vietnam? Oh, thank God, or- bad orange man's gone. They don't give a fuck. They're like, can we get the nets, you know, from our suicide phone factories to be more secure? But it's it, it's stupid for not only is it stupid because these are places that were like, at the very least, Vietnam especially was like victimized explicitly by the United States under a democratic president. But these aren't the countries that Trump was worse to. Like, if this was going to make any sense, it would have been going to, like, Iran or... Right, these like, aren't even the shithole countries. Right, like, it, it would be, like, going to Iran or, like, anywhere in Africa or, like, the Caribbean or a Latin American country and going, like, the racism, we're, we're significantly reducing. We're racing our, we're like, you know, we're reducing our... We're erasing racism. We're doing what's known as eracism. Yeah, like, we're, we're going to reduce our, our, our racism carbon output by, uh, you know, 80% by the year 2032 or whatever. Like, that's what they should be doing, is going to the countries that were 
explicitly attacked both in media and in policy. You know, Cuba. Like, they should be going to these places that were shit on How by How about the Trump. countries where we killed their military generals? Right. And so, like, going to these random-ass countries that, like, had nothing to do with Trump in any meaningful sense doesn't mean anything. Were they, were they waiting on, like, tenderhooks? Like, I sure hope America's back. I, I can't wait for America. You can't name our new baby until American president comes by to kiss on the forehead. Yeah, exactly. Give meaning to our lives again. Yeah, it's so narcissistic, it's almost, like, unbelievable that America thinks the world literally revolves around us as a country. No, I mean, economically and militarily, sure, you can make arguments that that is, in fact, true. But symbolically, and, like, on a political speech grandiose level, no one gives a shit. Yeah. They're just busy with their own shit. They have such such innate magnetism of some kind that they just naturally skew to our worldview. Yeah, this just screams little dick energy to me. We have to like <laughs> brag we're back. I don't yeah, think uh, back. It feels desperate almost, yeah. Nothing's back. This this assumes a level of goodwill towards us that the rest of the world is supposed to have that is already absurd. And it would have been absurd even before Trump. But the idea that after Trump, everyone's like, we just got to wait him out. We just got to wait until good old Joe. It's like not even a little bit. I, I don't know. Well, it's like you've talked a lot about before, Alex, where you can't throw a Band-Aid on a gangrenous wound. Right. Like the trust, mm -hmm. American trust by the rest of the world has not just been eroded by Trump, which obviously I actually don't think Trump did as much damage as people think, because I think, ironically, Bush probably did the most, and Obama certainly didn't help. And so it was already all gone, and Trump was just like a cherry on top for like for fun. Where Trump Trump did the most psychic damage to America, not to the rest of the world. So it's this this crazy this is like crazy ex girlfriend shit, where it's like I'm back and I'm no longer single. And I'm doing great. Like, no, you're not. Your your life's still a train wreck. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't imagine that there will be much much of a positive impression or change of mind brought around by Kamala Harris visiting Singapore, Vietnam, or really any country that I can imagine. But I think going off of, of what you've said, Alex, uh, especially about talking about this idea of trying to, both Americans and especially the media, or at least the, the uh, middle liberal media, trying to frame uh, Biden as a return to normalcy, as like a good, responsible president that uh, is very, very meaningfully in all terms of policy and in fact different from Trump. Uh, I think this headline rings pretty true towards that idea, which is this one uh, is from the New York Times, gray lady, and it says, as Democrats seethed, White House struggled to contain eviction fallout. Oh, man. Which is some very, very intentional framing. Yeah, there's a lot of loop-to-loops. It's like, like a switchback staircase of yeah. how many ways they're trying to twist who's being represented and who's centered in this sentence. I love how the the headline basically says that the White House is not filled with Democrats. That these yeah. are <laughs> opposing bodies. Right, yeah, exactly. This Democratic president and his Democratic party, definitely at odds. All right. So, I mean, let's talk about it. It's extremely stupid, but let's talk about it. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 so the Democrats are in power. They hold Congress. They hold the presidency. The only thing they don't hold is the Supreme Court. No, but they don't hold the... Uh... Senate still or they technically hold the Senate, but they have Joe Manchin, so no one holds the Senate. Right. So they on paper hold the Senate. They they in practice do hold the House. They hold the presidency. 
the Supreme Court has basically become like an Iranian, you know, mullah. <laughs> we uh, like a... like, yeah, it's basically like an Islamic jurisprudence. <laughs> like, it's completely captured by far right radicals who who are purely voting along partisan lines. So no, who so who cares? That will never be democratic. So the Democrats have as much as they can control in the current landscape, and they're acting as though they are helpless babies. Who like an an obvious thing which has been looming on a deadline for like forever is coming up, and with both of the main sources of power in the country in their hands, they're like, "There's nothing that could have been done." Feel bad for us. Yeah, exactly. I know we're in charge, but feel bad for this me. This is so hard. We're struggling here. Yeah, we punted this so hard, and you looked at us, and we felt bad about it because you looked at us and noticed how we fucked up. I also love how no matter what the national issue is, the Democrats refuse to never not fall on their dick. Like, Trump's big thing was, well, if we're going to give out free money, I may as well sign my name on the check. And maybe America's like, oh, Trump did, gave me that money. Yeah, yeah. And, America, and Democrats are like, no. We have to refuse to take credit for when anything good ever happens. And we have to take credit for when bad things happen. It's it's crazy. It's it's political suicide or seppuku that that the Democratic Party in this country loves to commit on a daily basis. And, and this is even besides the fact that, like, so the, the whole premise here, as we talked about, you know, the other time, is that this mass eviction, like, crisis is going to grip the country sooner or later. Even if they manage some insane last second deal bullshit, like, they're still not going to ever really get. A, a meaningful reduction in homelessness in the long run, unless they find a solution they don't have. So the, the real crisis is the homelessness crisis that is going to balloon when they inevitably, of course, fail to resolve this in a meaningful way. But the article is not about that. The article is about how embarrassed and like how much of their ass was showing when they allowed the homelessness thing to happen. So we're just playing sports still. And talking about like how many bases the Republicans stole instead of what was killed, like what humans were killed by those bases being stolen. Sure. It's, it's, it's just like we're just doing like political ticky tack bullshit about like who 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 has like a like an uwu face versus who has like a like a you know tear on their in the corner of their eye when they commit like war crimes or like human atrocities. Like it's just the centering is never the actual issue, you know. The issue is the homelessness. Yeah, completely. There, there is is a complete lack of of focus on the actual cost and like an examination of maybe why some of those few Democrats who who felt quite invested in, and had a, an actual ethical concern for the situation going on maybe were in conflict with their colleagues. No, it's just there's and this is this is kind of reflects how the Democratic Party operates in general. It would prefer. Uh, no outcomes, but no internal conflict to internal conflict and outcomes. We see it time and time again, any time that there's strife within it. as They just want chill vibes as the world burns. Yeah, yeah basically, it seems that way. Um, and like we talked about before, it, this is just another another case of complete inaction when they are entirely capable power-wise of taking steps towards action Man, and this outcome. This article makes me really sad. <laughs> It's it's they they're this is like they're trying to convince us that they have learned helplessness. Like they, yeah. they want they want to convince us that they are paralyzed by like other elements of their party, or like that someone else along the line who's never the person talking is the person who caused this problem. Like as if like there's only two options. Either they don't want to do the right thing or they're so fundamentally incompetent 
that the idea of electing them to office becomes farce. Exactly. This is the moment in the Neil Breen movie where they show up on stage and say, I'm sorry, I'm evil, and put a gun in their mouth. Like, if this is how you feel governing works, don't run for office. Right. job in office is to just sit in a chair as opposed to do legislation, stop running for political office. The job of politics is not to be famous. It's to do things. If you're admitting from the outset, oh, we don't do things, we just get sad, then fuck off. Go away. Leave. Let other people take charge and try and help the country. Like I, I like to point out that Joe, Joe Biden only, I mean, he, the whole thing was a laughable sham, but like Joe Biden he only managed to even kind of carry his carcass over the primary with the help of older African-American voters who will overwhelmingly be getting evicted. Like, <laughs> this will overwhelmingly be minority people who no longer have steady income. If you're not getting evicted, you're not black. Well, this, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, God, the yeah. people, this will fall overwhelmingly. On you know who got evicted? Tupac. It will overwhelmingly fall on the people who trusted this administration to carry them through this pandemic and to be the yeah. best option the ticket had available to them. And they're going to get fucked. Like, this will be way disproportionately black and, and Hispanic people. Uh, it will be obviously way disproportionately impoverished people. And, and so, like, this is a fundamental failure to address one of the most core parts of, like, human survival, which is shelter. And it's just like they're playing hot potato. Like, they don't give a shit. It's just like, who's going who's, who's gonna to fall for this? Like, who can we blame? And, like, who's going to get flushed down the fucking toilet? Like, that, that's not the question. It is never the question. And it shows how much contempt they have for the American people that instead of saying, like, Either A, let us actually fix this and show a clear way forward and do everything we can to do it, or B, let us fucking move aside for someone else who can. No, yeah, we're not going to move aside and we're not going to take blame. Worse, Alex. It shows contempt for the Democratic politicians who want to do things. How dare you, AOC, give a fuck about your constituents? Yeah. They actively hate the few people who are trying to fix it, but then they show their ass every time they try to do anything. So it's like, do anything or shut the fuck up. Like, there's no other options here, but that's where we are. We, we have President Grandpa, as, as has been discussed, so he's going to show his ass a lot. going to shit his pants on stage. It's oh, it's coming. You know, I can't wait for the day, I hope I live to see it, where, like, 51% of black people vote Republican, and the Democratic Party has to die. Like, it has to. It can't exist if that's not their identity, that 85% plus of this population votes for us. We're going to get to a point where either all the black people are homeless or dead or psycho right-wingers at this point. And, and just the party has to change. We can't, we can't have a government where both parties are the know-nothing party. You know, the Republicans got away with this for a long time. This is Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham's go-to card of, oh, Obama wants to pass like a right-wing conservative thing that helps industry. Nah, fuck him. He's black. We're not going to let anything pass. We're, no, we're know-nothings. But now the party in charge is the know-nothing party. It's, we may as well just reform the government. Just fuck it. Fuck, it's done. We're done. Throw it out. Start over. Well, there's still a chance for, for each party, as bad as they are, to inch towards better shores, or at least the New York Times would have you believe that, as here's another article from them <laughs> examining the other side of the aisle. Uh, for GOP, infrastructure bill is a chance to inch away from Trump. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I don't know if, if, if you who are listening, if you're listening, uh, immediately see anything strange about this. If you haven't already smashed your keyboard. And yeah. If you are not currently frothing from the mouth and you're not currently buying a gun. 
Um, yeah, absolutely wild. The the amount of one uh, charity and soft handedness that the New York Times uh, uses when discussing the GOP and the the you know imaginary good part of the GOP, and also how they continue to insist on framing things as all liberal media does in terms of Trump. And you give him a chance. It's just a, give him a chance to inch away. You're right. It's a me thing. You're too critical, Aiden. Give him a chance. What have they ever done oh, wrong? It's true. It's true. They they never come to my house and threaten my family. I also just don't understand the article. Like, infrastructure is the most basic boilerplate bipartisan legislation that can ever be passed any at any time. Like, we've had infrastructure passed by the Democratic Republican Party and the Federalist Party. Like, this is not controversial at all. So what? how are they going to move away from Trump? What is it? Trump Was Trump against roads? It doesn't make any sense. In fact, I believe Trump tried to get them some infrastructure done, and it somehow failed. This article to me reads as, for New York Times, Biden, you know, is a chance to inch away from liberal democratic norms and values. Because, like... <laughs> The, the the fact that they're humanizing or like n- like not calling out as psychotic the GOP at this moment in time, following four years of Trump, following the laughable but still attempted coup attempt, following the effort to suppress any investigation of that coup attempt, following the like revival of this like proto fascist clown class and the of, insane like, conservative court packing of the Supreme Court, right? Like this is somehow the worst the Republicans have ever been, which is almost baffling to say as far as like having no one in their party saying anything helpful or good. Uh-huh. Um, and the New York Times is still like, wait, wait, I think it's still good. Like it's, it's, it's Homer chasing the fucking food down the cliff. Like, oh, it's still good. It's still good. Like, it's not still good. The Republicans are done. They have no ideas left except fascism and like apocalypse. And all the other ones that were even like remotely like, they're at least a government like they're they're an idea capable of forming a government. Those ideas are deeply unpopular and getting like wedged by the dumb ideas. Like the tr- Trump and the Trump like crowd have now taken over the party pretty firmly. And and for the New York Times to either one not see that would be incredibly blind, or two cynically ignore that because they keep trying to push like the four never Trump Republicans. What the fuck are they doing? Like, how, we see it. The New York Times has to fucking see it. I don't know. They're pretty blind. They're pretty stupid. They're they're so up their own ass at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't I don't know it. Like, I feel like to to pretend that there aren't some intelligent people at the New York Times is obviously it's obviously wrong. So it makes me think that they must just I don't know. Do they just like have like columnist friends who are on the conservative side of things? so much that like they're like oh i still have hope for this good friend i have no, Aiden, so. they're rich so none of this fundamentally matters to them so it's just class politics yeah they have money so nothing matters nothing matters when you have money because as we discussed in our last episode you could just go to new zealand you could just go to space you could just go to the elysium you know <laughs> halo that will be built in 10 years because well, nothing of consequence matters to people who have money and security i think that's true i think it's just interesting because i I would have thought they, they seem like they really enjoy taking taking the moral high ground when they can, and so they're tired I, though, Aiden. They're so tired. They're struggling. Yeah, you're Give a, a, a tough this year is for the everyone. language of women with fibromyalgia. Like this is crazy. I, I'd like to briefly talk about the end of this sentence because I almost kind of missed this in the chaos. Inch away from Trump. 
Uh-huh. That's just the speed we need to move away from Trump to be viable again. It's a little political inchworm crawling our Trump, way. Trump was like 85%, you know, like he had so much going for him. It's just that there were a few issues like killing, you know, 650,000 people for no reason, and continuing everything bad. Um, just a few, you know, just a few more inches and, you know, we would have been all right. Yeah, it's just, there's just a little bit of mold on this side of it. Let's just scrape it off and everything is good and edible. Right. Like this, right. <laughs> this is exactly your crazy friend will yeah. eat a thing that's like a month expired. Right. Like, they're not even able to say to move with all haste as far as possible from Trump. They couldn't even say that. Like, it's not like, no, just like Trump, but like nicer. Just like a cool Trump, baby. Trump, but like with Mitt Romney's hair. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Like, what does that even mean to inch know. away from Trump? Fascism, right? Like, I don't, I, I don't understand what that even means. Like, you can't even get out of like the vaguely fascist milieu he's in by inching away. You, you have to make enormous strides to get out of that. Like, his whole thing is like, science is fake. Everything's a conspiracy. He was robbed by a conspiracy. Uh, he's the best at everything. The, the dictators are good. Like, what, women, what, women what are objects. Right, what was he saying that was salvageable? Like, I want the New York Times to publish a list of Trump beliefs that are salvageable and good to build from. Because that is kind of what you need to make sense of this. I, I, like, I don't know what those are. And I, I, I'm not even one of these people who's like, uh, Russia made Trump happen. Tr you know, Trump has some, like, natural charisma for being a piece of shit. But charisma is not a policy position. Charisma is just a cult of personality. Trump is just when, like, uh, the, uh, the, the heel wrestler becomes popular it's right that surprising he shits on the people people want to shit on it where's it work it's just like as, as you're pointing out earlier like the infrastructure bill is like are we willing to be a government <laughs> like are we willing to do basic governance what they're basically saying is stopping the mitch mcconnell policies of not being a functional government is a chance to inch away from trump that wasn't even Trump. Here would be inching away from Trump. That was Mitch McConnell. Inching away from Trump would be Republican Party saying we're no longer prosecuting people with the espionage act. That would be inching away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also is not happening. Yeah, no way. As, as we talked about. That's why I allude to it. Because inching yeah. away would be chipping away at some of the foundational evil beliefs of the conservative movement in this country. Which, obviously, once again, all those are now third rail. Those are all locked in. Everything's locked in. Nothing is changeable. The only thing that is changeable is optics and perception. So the message here from the New York Times for some reason, which is still crazy, is that, look, the Republicans aren't changing any policies. They're just trying to look nicer than when they were assholes for the last four years. I'd also like to point out from, from even a tactical perspective, this still makes no sense because Trump was enormously popular with the Republican base. Why would the GOP interrupt? Well, this would make Trump? them look feckless. That's like saying, for, you know, for, for GOP, chance to lose. Like, they, they just want to engage in the Democrat. Yeah. Why, why would the GOP try to become more like the feckless Democrats who were just being idiots in the previous article? Maybe the New York Times is baiting the Republican <laughs> Party to be as stupid as the Democrats. Is this a psyop? Like, are they trying to actually help us by making the Republicans into, like, these pathetic, in, like, ineffective parties like the Democrats? Get in the ball pit with the Democrats who can't, don't yeah. want to stand up. Yeah, like, because like, if, I'm, if I'm a Republican operative right now, I'm thinking, okay... How can we keep all the Trump energy, but like maybe get Hispanics? You know, like that's that's the next thing. Is like we need to get like a Hispanic Trump, like because otherwise they're gonna not have enough people. But like they all the energy is with this radicalized far right like fascist 
energy. Like n- none of the rest of their ideas have ever had any real popularity or currency. And now that this is an option and the American people like know it's an option, of course they went for the monster truck over like the limo. And now they, they're not going to get another limo through. They need to find another monster trucks. Like it's absurd for them to pretend like, yeah, we're going to go back to Mitt Romney and everyone's going to love him so much. No, they're not. It's not going to work. I, yeah, you know, obviously I, I haven't, I haven't read the article, but I'm very, I'm very curious, like, especially going back to, to exactly what, uh, what we were saying about, um, infrastructure being a pretty, a pretty standard type of bill. Um, and even though the, the one that has been put forward isn't, doesn't really contain anything that's truly controversial. No, it just uh, it, privatizes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Basically Which for the, and, both parties is totally fine. So yeah, I'm trying to imagine what that, what that thing is that made some, some staff writer at, at the New York times think that there was some kind of opportunity here. I, uh, do you the, know the author of this article? Uh, I can, there's I can some bring pretty prominent psychos at the New York times. So it'd be funny if they wrote this. So this is uh, co-authored by Luke Broadwater. This and required Emily Co- two people. Emily Cochran. <laughs> oh, those don't ring a bell. So no more clues there. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was just like one, like one GOP uh, senator disagreed with like a, a super crazy out there tweet from Trump about vaguely related to infrastructure. And they just took that as like, ah, oh, look, there's dissent. There are still good GOP members, but I mean, we'll now never that, know. Now that you put it in that frame, I actually think I do know exactly what you're talking about. Like, oh, really? I now, I now kind of remembered what the New York Times is. They need to put out a certain number of articles that make both parties seem reasonable every year. Yeah, so they, they, can maintain, they have to maintain that like bipartisan consensus, like center right to far right range that they are in favor of. So if they ever really acknowledged how fucked the GOP was, they'd have to become a single party paper. Like, they'd have to just be like, we support the conservative Democrats. Mm-hmm. And then they would be partisan, like, nakedly, in a way that makes them not the paper of note. they've never been nakedly partisan. No, but, like, they wouldn't be the paper of, 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 of note. Like, of they're, not, they're not anymore. Right. But to, in their imagination, bipartisanship is, like, a core feature. Like, or, or like, or not, not bipartisanship per se, but just, like, like neutrality. But enlightened neutrality is kind of their whole shtick. I guess I'm just tired of seeing elite journalists like up in their own feelings. Yeah, like this is this is psychosis. This is people desperate that they're not insane trying to convince us they're not insane. Yeah. On the topic of psychosis, why don't we go you to the? Intrigued? Uh, why don't we go to the next uh, the next headline, which is short and sweet from the Atlantic. It is. What did Andrew Cuomo think would happen? <laughs> I this was grabbing, yeah, and I yeah. thought it would be fine. <laughs> this is my favorite what do you board game. Yeah. This is like, like you got the virus uh, vaccine. The family goes on the kitchen table, and uh, yeah, all plays their favorite trivia game. Exactly. Yeah, he would put his leg on an intern and be like, "Don't wake daddy." Like, like this is this is just a board game. Right, it's like operation. Uh, yeah. Except instead of instead of the guy, it's like a nameless intern, right. and instead of the little tongs, you have little Andrew Cuomo hands. Right. And you just like where on the body part do I grab? It and has then if a... you grab, yeah, if you grab too harsh, it goes off buzzers, and then like it, a cop shows up. Then you have to play your, your Chris Cuomo card. That commercial kind of ring to it. That's like 
the name of a cereal or like the name of a game. It's like, uh-huh. oops, all sex offenders. Like it just, it just feels <laughs> like it just has something very kind of fun and buzzy about this title, which is the energy you want for talking about sexual abuse exactly. and violation. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Go ahead. Just, just, just because, I, I don't like if I'm being charitable. Maybe the, maybe the author is a a grand optimist who and a humanist who really really believes in in the righteousness of um of our current society and power structures but anyone else looking at the news any day knows exactly what andrew cuomo thought would happen he thought he'd get away with it the, thought, the headline should be reversed it should be america what did you think would happen when a prominent governor was sexually harassing people and the answer would be nothing and that's the correct answer we literally had this entire scandal like two or three months ago when it came out the first time. He also and, killed and, all the old right, people in New York City. Right, but everyone was like, "All right, Andrew Cuomo, you're under you know investigation for you know basically sex crimes of some sort. Uh, you should really resign." And the Democrats even were calling him. To uh, don't worry, this will all blow. Yeah. Boom. And his response was like, "Suck my dick, get the fuck out of here. I'm I'm the big chief. Get the fuck out." Like that was his response then. So like, I'll go talk to my brother a little do, bit. Right? Do you think that two or three months later he's like, "I've learned a great deal. I'm humbled. Uh, I will I will gracefully depart." Like, no. It's I want to know. Been. I want to know how many uh, Me Too stories Chris Cuomo has covered. Yeah. Just just so I can see, like the other article, the headline said. So. We can continue to discuss this topic because this headline is really just funny and it kind of just just goes exactly off of that which is from the hill from a quote from megan mccain cnn's cuomo ignoring brothers scandal the worst kind of nepotism <laughs> not not the nepotism god. where you get a job and oh the nepotism where you ignore sexual crimes well there's something about a kettle that i'm thinking of. right megan mccain is upset about this <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to say. The joke is there. Like, the joke yep. has been made. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I just want to briefly mention, uh, the funny thing about The Hill is that they lost their two only talented people, uh, Crystal Ball and Sagar Jetty. And I oh. want to mention them because I actually went to college with Sagar, and he was actually a friend of mine. We were in the same fraternity. I, I, I've spoken to him hundreds of times. Uh, seeing him turn into uh, Lord Emperor Palpatine has been hilarious and tragic. Yeah, but I, I, it's it's funny that like even without their two people with like sixty percent charisma, they still pump out this slosh. Amazing. And this was McCain writing for the Hill. Good God. Or or at least about McCain from the headline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a Hill article stealing something that Megan McCain wrote. It, it, yeah, it's the Hill saying oh, we God. should definitely reference this person. Leeches, snakes, all of these people. I, I'm convinced I'm, that Megan McCain exists only to make me not hate John McCain as much by comparison. Right? Because he's hater shit. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I wanted to briefly mention um, the Andrew Cuomo thing. Like. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if people have really verbalized this as much as they should. Me Too is basically over for people with power. I mean, the election of Joe Biden is is basically the nail in the coffin. I mean, they got Weinstein. They, they, they like, you know, punished Louie for being a creep. Cosby's out. Cosby's free. Free. Uh, basically, any of the other people that they were, like, little things, like Jeremy Piven and some other Hollywood people, other sickos, like, they got, they're kind of free. One, obviously, we are a pro-female empowerment and anti-sexual assault podcast. However... <laughs> Oh no. 
what did this really accomplish from a political perspective, from a power dynamic perspective? What has actually changed? Governors are still touching people. Presidents are still raping. People are still doing sex crimes. No one's really being held accountable. No one's going to jail. And if they're going to jail, they're just getting out or getting COVID and getting out of excuse now. So, like, it didn't actually accomplish anything. It's just more hurt, and it's just now more public. It's now just let everyone feel my hurt. And it just makes everyone feel bad. Well, I mean, it, 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 if we still, we still have yet to see the, the full outcome, but obviously the very practical thing that it might do is stop him from ever sexually assaulting people again. But Cuomo has pretty good political instincts, unlike a lot of other Democrats. This is he, true. He's not like Barney Frank or the, who's the other guy? Who's the Al Franken? Who's like, yeah. I guess I have to resign now. Yeah. I guess I have this thing called ethics and I, I did a wrong thing, even though I didn't really. And and I have to go now. Cuomo's like, so fuck off. I'm not going to leave. I'm an, I'm an authoritarian. I'm in power. You, you'd have to take that away from me. I'm not going to voluntarily relinquish yeah, power. They're trying. Yeah, it's not going to work. He's not going to fucking, you know, get out of office. And if he does, I'll eat my words. But I very much doubt it. This is the this is the Republican playbook, which is how to stay in power, which is why that New York Times article is so absurd. Republicans stay in power by even when they know they've done wrong and admit it, they don't relinquish their seats. I mean, how many stories of like we took a vacation to Cabo and you know Sam blasted hookers and did coke and it was like, oh no, it's fine. I, I don't care. I cheated on my wife and I ran in a, as a fa- you know family values first Christian. I'm still gonna hold my Senate seat. Like they just don't give a shit. And Cuomo is just like that. He doesn't give a fuck. Unless he's officially charged with a crime and like made a felon and forced to give up his seat by other people in power, he's not going to give it up. He loves power too much. That's why he does sexual assault because he loves power, he loves coercing people. Yeah, I, I mean, the truth is that as as pessimistic as as history and current trending outcomes seem to to indicate we should be, you know, we still have to try to keep holding people accountable. You know, and and I don't disagree though that it is incredibly disheartening to see how attacking people who have power, who have done heinous things, falls short time and time again, and really yields a little little material outcome for future protection of people or reparations for those who have suffered or anything of that that kind. I can't really disagree with that as a uh, as depressing as it is to kind of put into words. I mean, it turns out that like the people do not have a lot of power right now. Like when, when pe- even with a large number of people all get together and are like, "Hey, here's an issue that we have and we're really passionate about." It turns out when you have essentially a one-party state because it's two different wings of the same party for all intents and purposes, and they're both basically unified against you and hold every lever of power, that your movement doesn't really go anywhere and doesn't really accomplish what you wanted, because they can just say "fuck off." And right, but the, the funny thing you know, is, the the Democratic Party at large tried to co-opt the Me Too movement as like some sort of political energy that they could use. Yeah, and then they obviously was used convenient for them. They just, you know, yeah. turn away. Like putting putting the burden on me too. I think is absurd because it's like, did anyone think that like some people on Twitter and like some some like you know victimized people all around the country were going to get together and like overthrow U.S. power? Like, no, they were fighting an absurd battle in the no, first place. But, but I will put the burden on people who did think that, and a lot of the people who did think that were advocates for it as well. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, to me, that's irrelevant. Like the. The, there are lots of people who believe all sorts of things. But, but, but here's what I mean. Like, whenever there's any power structure built around something, because there was a structure built around Me Too, the, the 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 bunch of, like, organizations, like, time, you know, Time's Up, all that, like, those people turned out to embezzle money and, and just do capitalist crimes immediately as soon as there was power and money to use. Like, they raised all this money to use, they said they were going to use it to donate to victims who were trying to, you know, 
get legal recourse against their their victimizers. And it's like, nope, they just use all that money to buy million dollar condos in San Francisco. Like it, it's it just immediately crumbles to the exact same faults that we've identified already and have just existed forever in capitalism. Because because we're watching the degeneration of civil society. Like when you don't have a functioning civil society that actually like prosecutes people equally before the law where the rich can't just like win their trials by default and the poor lose them by default when you don't have a functioning justice system like basically at all and you have this enormous class of base of more or less dispossessed barely surviving people um it turns out that it's really hard to get anything done and, and it's really hard to even survive day to day so instead of relying on what should be civil services and institutions that you can use as part of a functional government to you resolve like, things. Exactly. Right. Like it's basically become like privatized. Where we have to set up a nonprofit right. to, to indict people for sex crimes and they just steal all the money. Instead of actually prosecuting people for like sexual assault and rape, we have to basically call them out on Twitter because the other thing just ain't happening. Like we just don't have a functioning civil society. So th the fact that it's even onto them is what's really absurd. We should never have to ask a Twitter mob to handle what should be basic justice provided by a state. Same way we discussed last time, we shouldn't have to ask a CNN viewership to donate to a woman who's being evicted. Right, and, and to even this have any, to ever have an assumption that like a handful of people loosely organized across social media could like correct the wrongs of the U.S. justice system without, by the way, changing the U.S. justice system in any way. Like, no, of course they can't. Because the U.S. justice, like, the U.S. justice system is fucking monstrous. We, we incarcerate more than any other country on Earth, both by percentage and raw amount. Like, I don't, like... I actually have a bonus headline for that. It's you want to throw it in? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's a related story. So I saw this story today. Um, two people who are, like, civil servants um, both embezzled money from their state or town. Uh, this one white woman embezzled $250,000 over her 20-year career. In America? Yeah. Uh, and she got charged with... Um, sh she didn't get jail time. She got, like, probation for two years or something. And then this black woman, who over a similar period of time embezzled $40,000, got three and a half years in jail. She stole a quarter of the money, or less, a, fifth, the, a, a sixth of the money, and got jail time over it. Because she's black and old. And the white woman who did identical thing, just bigger, probation. Like, what confidence do we have as the public that people are going to take our grievances seriously? That we're going to be treated, as Alex says, equally under the law? We're not. We already know that. So the only recourse is to shout into the void called the internet. And when people are like, wait a sec, I can shout into the void of the internet and make money off this or somehow get other people who agree with me to be like, yeah, yeah, let's keep shouting. They, they feel empowered by that. It's the only recourse they have. I mean, we're, we're degenerating until we're like Mad Max gangs of the desert. Like one controls like Bullet Town and one controls like Dogville yeah, or whatever. Town and, oil and then town. it's like, look, Dogville is not good at uh, you know, infrastructure. It's like, yeah, no shit, because we're degenerating into like gangs. Like we, we, these are not institutions that are like robust uh, established traditions that have like egalitarian principles or humanist principles or secular principles. They were not even very good in the first place, and they're degenerating like in real time. So yeah, we, we we are we are basically at a point where we are asking an absurd amount of what should never historically have ever been assumed to carry this. I think that is a great irony you point to, because yeah. I think the, the biggest flaw with like apocalypse post apocalyptic narratives is they always assume like well after the nukes went off, but I think the irony is it's actually the opposite. I think if nukes went off the world would actually come together like, whoa, we have to start taking this shit seriously. 
But the irony is we're actually degenerating that way of our own accord. Like, the more likely outcome of a post-apocalyptic world is we just let every institution decay, and we, as Alex says, just become these horrible tribal factions. It, ironically, if we and actually the worst world conflict, if there actually was a single thing to unite against and, like, fight against as a world, that actually might unite us, not destroy everything. It's, yeah, just I mean, so, it's so weird that we do this know. to ourselves. Why is World War II the greatest generation? Because we all had a common enemy to fight, and we defeated them, and it made us feel good. And it was and uncontroversial. Right. And, and now that we basically have been convinced to hate each other instead of the handful of people who actually run everything and destroy are destroying us, um, yeah, we just hate each other and we let civil society decline. So this well, is the result. Yeah, and it's, you know, people, people are um, not just willing, but like the way that our, our cognition, our brains work is that it's basically designed to, to ignore incremental things that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. So it really takes things like, let's say, COVID to force people to reassess, to mobilize, to turn to activism. And obviously, that hasn't solved our problems during COVID, but I think we've all seen the results of at least a, a higher than average um, mobilization among yeah, working just class engagement people. engagement in general. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, like, I think we got relief checks. Obviously, that's not nearly enough, but that's more than what I would have expected, which was nothing. Yeah, which would have been fair. I was going to point out briefly that Feminism and and women's like protection of women has been an essential part of leftism for like the entire time, for one of the most central reasons that women who are in positions where they can be exploited by men get sexually assaulted and raped all the time, because that is how power works. When you have power over someone, you can take advantage of them. And as long as we live in a capitalist shithole where everyone's working for like wages, like just enough to pay rent. And pathetic yeah, there will always be that level of exploitation. Then there will be a level of coercion and exploitation that enables violent abuse of people. Right. So every like, time a lib's like, I want to end sexual assault, it's like, all right, then become a socialist. Right. If you want to end sexual assault, then like the fucking least you could do is $15 minimum wage and like six months maternity leave. Like give women the ability to leave abusive workplaces and the legal protection to report and get consequences when they stay in, in, in those workplaces, or else you're just blowing smoke. Because like ultimately, this is the conditions of late capitalism, where everyone is beholden to some sort of petty tyrant boss who can do whatever they want because they have all the cards. So to even say, like, oh, we're fighting for women, we're fighting for me too, you cannot be capitalist and fight for me too. Like, sorry, you, you just can't. Like, if you don't want any regulation and protection of minimum wage, if you want any regulation and protection of workers' rights, that's how people get assaulted. That's how people get abused, because they don't have power in their, in their right. workplaces. Everyone is de facto vulnerable. It's, it's just, it's absurd to me to try to separate those issues, because in any, like, of the situations where it's like, okay, women are able to actually have financial protection, legal protection, personal rights that are respected by the state and respected by the society, Oh, look, they're suddenly empowered to actually not be, like, tortured and abused all the time. But, but I mean, look at these headlines, Alex. Our media exists to do the pulled pork, to separate everything into its constituent parts and never let people unite on common causes. So we, we have to, you know, the media fundamentally has to disconnect women's rights from capitalism, from workplace rights. To We have to disconnect all these and treat them as disparate issues. Otherwise, we can't write about all these things. Yeah. And also downplay constantly the overwhelming like proportion of left-wing organizers who have been women and participants who have been women and the intrinsic link between those movements and feminism. It's like all that shit gets kind of blown away and feminism becomes this like 
puppet of a neoliberal ideology that's just like right. turned into Hillary Clintonism. I mean, it's not it's surprising. Just, like, it's disgusting. Yeah, conservatives have a conservative worldview where women are treated as chattel. People yeah. are progressive have a worldview of humanism where women are also humans. It's right. not complicated. People are like, ah, it's so much. It's, this is so difficult and de detailed. No, it's not. It's pretty black and white. Yeah, I just, I well, just think it's, it's interesting that's never discussed. Yeah, it, it never is, and I do agree personally that that those are good concepts and th that they certainly hold water. But Business Insider has a another solution <laughs> for which women can can uh, separate themselves from dependence upon wages and uh, and such. So. One of many inspirational economic stories you'll see in the news all the time. When a shower door sliced my hands open, I used $23,000 from renter's insurance to pay off my student loans. And now I'm debt free. What the fuck? Was this a banner ad? Is nope. this the Onion article? Like, this is like a thing in your spam folder. This is... I will, I will post the link for you guys. It is for Business Insider. That's unreal. It's it's like twice as long as a headline's supposed to be, and uh -huh. it is pure, like, fifteen percent or more of your car insurance. So let me get this. The guy let me get this That's what that is. Obviously, there's too much detail in this headline because we can kind of get what the story is immediately. Yeah, yeah. So this woman is renting, and paying not only rent, but renters' insurance. A shower door malfunctioned, or she slipped and cut her hand open. Mm -hmm. Got money from the scammed the scammers. For twenty three grand, and she used that to pay off her student loans, and she only had twenty three thousand dollars of student loans. There's I mean, so much. I so have similar student loan debt, but I acknowledge my upper, you know, middle class to upper middle class upbringing throughout the nineties and two thousand. I mean, most people who we talk about, we talk about student loan debt, like having the worst case, have two hundred plus thousand. Yeah. So this isn't a solution. This is not a business insider solution. There's so many reasons this is not a solution. This is one of this is another one of those articles where like. We're so many injustices deep Get injured. that we have to start like unpacking the stupid <laughs> shit. Let's start from the beginning. This woman has permanent damage to her hands. From yeah, that's in the opening. Paragraph. Yeah, we we couldn't help but see that from the opening paragraph that basically was shown when they showed the line. Nerve this woman, damage. This woman has permanent nerve damage, and all she got was twenty three grand. She's a young woman. That's going to cost her, in terms of being able to be employed, like 10 to 100 this, times that throughout the rest of her career and this life. This is the cyberpunk future where she just gets a new bionic left hand. That's fuck all. Oh my god. That's nothing. There's not that many jobs that don't require hands. And, and she is now smiling in this picture that we have, <laughs> holding her ruined hand because she got 23 grand. Okay, I mean, it's not like manual, at least. so first problem is that's a ridiculous amount for this permanent dis disfiguration. Secondly, this was renter's insurance and not health insurance. It's a small point. Third, she have health insurance, though. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> There's health insurance. Third, student loans should not exist. Student loans only exist. Hold on, hold on, there, partner. We don't look for universal. How dare you, Alex? Education. Look, she's paying the good name of. She's like paying off her surf peonage. Like she, she's paying off shit to like a, a, like antiquated systems of tyranny. Like this is absurd. Like th this is a thing that only happens in a handful of countries. The idea that people are like, okay, we start as indentured servants, 
And if we manage to suffer some sort of disfigurement in time, that my, my lord or, gives me uh, right. let my son free. Yeah, then they will commute you from <laughs> your from your acreage of barley that you have to harvest. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like this isn't even. This is just bringing her back to neutral. It's not even like oh now she has twenty three grand to like buy a house or like you know pay for groceries or like get a car. It's like no, she has to use this to pay off her peonage. You know, it's another kicker. Oh I, I, I skimmed more of the article while while we were talking. Uh, going to what you said, Jason and Alex, about 23 grand not being nearly enough to either pay off student loans generally or enough for the injury suffered. It wasn't even her renter's insurance. She had to have renter's insurance through her boyfriend. <laughs> well, women are dependent on men in the current economy to get the money. There you, there you go. It's it's really uh... and, th and this even this even manages to do the orphan crushing crushing machine thing where it's like the the happy vignette, but they manage to make it a brutal <laughs> crushing happy vignette, which is like you know by grinding up the family dog, the family was able to survive another winter by eating him. Like this, it's like a disgusting. They made the best of a bad situation. Right, it's, exactly. It's yeah. like our me... dog got hit by a car. We're starving and homeless. So now you know the 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 driver abandoned the car. So we live in that. And we cook the dog for dinner. The zombie apocalypse version of the story. Meet the five cannibals who survived by eating the other thirty passengers in the jet that landed. Oh my there. god! If that what's that fa that famous incident? If that happened in like the 22-2020? right? We'd be celebrating that. That's the article that would be written. They're making the best of a good of a bad situation. They're innovators and they're and they're scrappy survivors. They're disruptors. Yeah, like, Congressional Medal of Honor. They've now made a. They've now made a, 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 a food truck. With, oh God! <laughs> where they sell human-looking like meat, <laughs> so you can get the the authentic experience. And they just got a five hundred million dollar donation from a Coke brother, and you know, into their IPO. And also, oh what is the long-term takeaway from this article if you are in her situation? Better cut yourself. And convince better, the insurance better, it was right. the showers. Fault. Better commit insurance fraud. That's literally the <laughs> yeah. encouragement of the article. There's a conservative counter like this bitch is using insurance fraud. Right, and now we're, gonna have, now we're going to have pro-insurance fraud and anti-insurance fraud be like a partisan issue as opposed to anything that would solve any of these problems. It's, it's also going to be a burgeoning industry. We're, yeah. we're, we're insurance fraud advisors. We'll, we'll explain to you yeah. the ins and outs of the legality and how to get away with it. Want to commit insurance fraud, but you're not sure if you know how to do it. That's fine. We Come know how. Like, yeah, like we have twenty four seven. We have operators waiting to help you defraud an insurance. We company. have operators who are desperately trying to get out of this call center because yeah. they have to pee in jars and are yeah. meeting insane quotas. And like, I, I could just picture like, like you know, it becomes like a Democrat thing, and Biden's like confusedly explaining this to him. He's like, "Come on, come on, man! Sometimes ladies just gotta cut themselves." And then, and then, yeah, it's like know, the buy a shotgun line, right? And then, and the Republicans are, and it's like, you know, we think it's disgusting that these welfare hand disablers are cutting themselves. You know, black people are cutting themselves on showers at twice the rate of white people. Like, you know, Mitch McConnell comes up with some horseshit. <laughs> why, why are five percent of the yeah. white women committing ninety yeah. percent of the insurance fraud? Claims? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's become some cultural you know, bureau argument. And then, like MSNBC has on like some some like deep state guy who's like, it's all right if they cut themselves as long as we can defeat Iran. And that's like the cycle, and then we start with the next article. We'll we'll, we'll get the UFOs by baiting them out with white woman blood. Yeah, and then they all celebrate him because he's a Republican and thinks it's okay that the woman cut herself. Well, that went full insane. Well, speaking of, of 
uh, and say as I continue to segue seamlessly from article to article. We're just digging into the depths. Um, so bad. We're just turning it... into the creatures from that that movie. We're just like horrible whites now. Yeah. There, there is nothing to discuss on here. I just thought I had to do a double take because I, I thought this was an Onion article for sure in my news app. But it's a, it's from the Boston Herald. It's just oh, no, 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 no. Don't read the Boston Herald. The Boston Herald is the most racist, conservative shit I've ever seen. And I read a lot of it because um, I follow a lot of, like, Boston sports teams. And yeah. it, it's like, oh, you like, you, like the, you like the Patriots. You like the fucking Celtics. How about white nationalism? You know what the, like, 70-year-old Irish psychopath believes in Boston? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's Boston for you. Is um, this video of Marky Mark committing a hate crime you have to see? A classic. <laughs> Uh, so, study. Children in communities with more gun licenses are at greater risk of being exposed to lead. <laughs> it's the new lead paint argument. Uh, I just thought that was some, some good old... I, I thought for sure that was a spoof. But... Now, the irony is this is actually really true and scary. So, obviously, gun enthusiasm is on the rise. And, you know, because we have horribly inefficient bullets... And now, actually, the U.S. military is trying to move towards plastic cartridges instead of lead. Um... Mm. People get lead poisoning from shooting too much, because sh one, when you when a gun goes off and you know when a bullet goes off in a gun, there's an explosion and it sends gas everywhere, and that gas contains uh, carbon and lead particles which go into your lungs. Uh, so yes, this is like a serious health concern, and this may down the line be like a serious health concern. Like the, all Republicans have lead poisoning because they all shoot guns a thousand times a day, and like this is an actual serious health concern. It's like, the, you know, secondhand smoke, but for the kids of people with guns. You know, obviously, aside from the, you know, maybe we shot my dad by on accident. Because, you know, I gave my two-year-old an Uzi, which is a real story. Like you but, do. But, you know, this is, this is a non-unserious argument. And I, I find it actually quite tragic. I think it can be both. Like, this can be <laughs> a real problem and also patently absurd. But it's like the people who are protesting, like, I love the Second Amendment, so I put my gun near my dick. Like, th this is what right, the, the, happens the, when you own guns. Yeah. The, 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 like, hundred people who shot their dicks off to prove that they're good with guns. Yeah, right. what, do you, what do you mean, what do you mean, uh, trigger control? And they, like, have the gun on off the yeah. safety, and they have their hand yeah. on the trigger, and they point at the junk and put it on Facebook. I feel like the Darwin Awards just, like, sent that viral because they were running out of shit, and they're like, we need more right oh, now. Oh, no, the Darwin Awards will never run out of material. Yeah, but they want like the real winners. Like this is a collective entry for the they epidemic the of dick one. shots. Yeah, like that's well, really. Well, that's true. a very literal Darwin Award because it's not like did you die and you can't spread yeah. your genes. It's like no, I got rid of my neck. Right, they, they love the sex damage ones. That's that's the real salacious <laughs> shit. That's the juicy stuff. They want you to live with knowing what you've done. That's the Darwin Awards. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is fucked up. Like. The, the amount of lead you can take in if you shoot, you know, fully automatic guns or just a lot of bullets, uh, you know, every week, it's bad. It's lead paint equivalent. Except it's not like, oh, I had to buy a house that had lead paint. It's totally voluntary. Right. And do you think, for one fucking second, conservative lawmakers be like, well, this is, this is a, you know, this is like drinking soda. This is like your fault. This is your, you know, this is, you should pay for this because this is like, you know, uh, not like a uh, visual, but. Like, this is elective, essentially. Yeah. You don't have to shoot guns every day. Yeah, this this becomes a national issue, and in, like, a week, we see a, a Republican lawmaker, like, eating a bullet in front of Congress to prove that eating lead isn't unhealthy. But eating <laughs> a bullet in the time that's, like, he's literally chewing it. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, thought you, I thought it might be euphemist. <laughs> well... Um, literally eating a bullet. Because, like, it could happen off. the way this was done. I'll leave that off the bike. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, yeah, Bobert's got a gun in Congress. Like, they, they're trying. Yeah, Jesus. But, I mean, the point is, the conservatives love to browbeat and moralize towards people on the left. Or people, not even people on the left, just poor people, usually. Who are like, I have to drink soda because it's cheaper than water. I have to eat McDonald's because it's cheaper than green food. And it's like, this is your fault why you're fat and why you... You know, it's like, I've been reading all this shit about people who are like, COVID's not real. It's because you're fat that you died of COVID. And just the amount of browbeating, and then of course, be like, it's my right though to, to shoot guns, so the government needs to pay for this. God, like, it's not our right to eat food and have houses. Yeah, our, our not our, but so many Americans' concept of freedom has been intentionally warped into something that is just frivolity or obedience in the guise of something else. But it's not even clever, it's just freedom for the things I like. And oh, you want freedom for things you like? No, suck my dick. It's just patently partisans. There's not even an attempt to hide it. Be like under our these are our ideological principles. No, it's just I like this and fuck you because I don't like you. It's really yeah. that simple bully mentality. Pursue like your out of it. Yeah, you pursue really wear shirts that say that. I love pursuing my worst instincts, especially when they harm other people. God, for every civilian you don't drone strike, I'll drone strike three. Like they're they're openly endorsing being shitheads because that's like triggering the libs. They don't actually care if it's ethical. It's just no, about being an asshole. Yeah. And now, admittedly, this is not like the majority of these people, but like, it's, it's, not, it's not insignificant. Right? It's a not insignificant number of people like this. We're getting there. Give it a couple more years. So let me ask you guys, what do you want? One that's not uh, overtly depressing um, or, or another one that is definitely overtly depressing? Uh, give me the sneaky depressing. Okay. At this point, go for what you want. <laughs> We're just losing it. It's just ra vent rage mode. My, another one of my classic rants. So this one, this one is is a, I think maybe a little bit different, but mass re resignations at Scientific Journal over ethically fraught China genetics papers. And the reason I I, I included this one is because I I don't know what the contents is. It may this may be an entirely uh, upright article. On, a, on an important topic framed uh, logically and objectively. But so often we see things, especially in headlines at least, uh, put vaguely and almost always knowing the American consciousness yeah. in a way that, that will kind of inspire xenophobia, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know, the end, the ending is where it's vague. Where it's like, is a paper about Chinese people's genetics? Is a Chinese paper about human genetics in general? Like a article about CRISPR or something that feels that every right. country is doing their own side of the experiments. Like it's it's not quite clear. Is this saying, yeah, I don't know that the scientists are resigning because they felt the paper was racist? It, it, there's a lot of room for interpretation here. It's it's just it's just, it's just a terribly written title. Yeah. It, it should be like, by a scientist. It should be like name of journal suffers mass resignations when the following thing was published. Yeah, like, exactly. By, by, by saying it this way, they've made it as confusing as humanly possible. Right. Who resigned? The people who wrote it or people in protest? Did the did the people who wrote the paper resign because they were censored? Did the people who saw that it was published and noticed how disgustingly racist it was or something resign because it was published? Did it get retracted because the 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 article was like not xenophobic enough? Like I don't I don't know what I don't know what <laughs> happened. Like, no, I don't think anyone knows what happened. All right, we get a little more clarity. So, a critic of the studies. So, the studies are probably racist, and people are like, I can't, I can't keep working on a journal that's going to publish this racist shit. I you know the weird thing about when when you're like learning when you're young about how the scientific method works 
and why it's a fundamentally better system for learning, discovering the truth than just like faith or just guessing or just bullshitting. You, you kind of get this idea that, oh, science is pure. Science is just about truth and science is about, uh, you know, things that are objective. But it, as it turns out, because science is done by humans who are so deeply fallible, we obviously all know this, that science too is just as fallible as the people doing it. And you can get virtually anything published in a scientific journal. It is so bad. The, just the glut of shit that's out there, the amount of scientific articles that go out that before they're peer-reviewed and then have to get recalled, taken away because the peer-reviewed zone's like, this is total horseshit. And they never recant, really. And so it's just out there in the collective unconscious about some not some bullshit science. And then people ask, like, well, I wonder why people's faith in science is going down. Well, you keep publishing this garbage. Yeah, and, and it's it's often uh almost oh, entirely it's almost uh no i can't say always but so often it is corrupted by the fact that it has to be filtered through capitalism exactly they need grants, to get money to get grants, grants are so hard to get and things have to be published and how many people it goes out to is dependent upon what portal or what publication you get to take your your research paper and if it's done in a university there's there's fees there's middlemen there's bureaucrats yeah. like there's all sorts of shit that make it fraught and is difficult to do it's almost like if we nationalize these things and just cut out all the middlemen, we could do better science, huh? Hmm. Yeah, but the, yeah, huh. but then you're then you're a fascist, apparently. The the so let, I, I want to assume that this article was racist. Let's let's just I think okay. that's the one safe. that they're talking about. Not the I think that's safe to assume, right? Like the the original thing that they're referencing, the the paper. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume that the papers were like some sort of anti-Chinese racism. And that these mass resignations were like non-racists or at least less racist people resigning because of how embarrassing this was for the paper and them by association with the paper. If we run with that premise, then by setting up the title this way, it serves both sides of the supposed political divide we have in this country. Because to like good neoliberal, you know, set, it's, you know, racism confronted in the academy. And to the Republicans, it's we triggered the libs and they're mass resigning. Right. Like they're literally playing both sides, even in the title. If you're an anti-racist scientist, you should get the other people fired. Why would you resign from a good, cushy job where you can do good science? Right. I've never Basically, understood this resigning in protest thing. Like now it's even more right wing because now all the people who thought it was too evil to publish left. Also, the idea that scientists are like intrinsically libs. I mean, that is not borne out in reality. Scientists tend to be like we were talking about with the New York Times people, like just moneyed people who have the freedom to study science in school instead of things that they, you know, survival techniques. You and they th tend to have wealth biases. Was this the way it was written in interest in the intercepts? Yes. That's that see, that's surprising me because usually they make more of an effort to like I mean, they're openly like a, a more left-wing yeah. publication. I, you you would think they would have framed this in a way that the very least explains what the hell's going on. Right. That that was really the, the main thing is is I because it's from the intercept, I feel like it's probably not the most offensive to our our outlook. No, it, it's about yeah. a topic that most other papers wouldn't cover. But it's right. the intercept doesn't have its own biases and flaws. Sure. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was exactly as we discussed it at the outset. Leaving the end of the headline so vague when I feel like you could fit a few more words in there by switching out what you it's have. It's almost in there. like bait to force you to read it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's about, you know, I don't know if it's about what you guys said or if it's about, you know, some some Chinese paper that says something horrible about Uyghurs or something like that. 
you know. A weaker it, brain is not capable of Jesus, good yeah. party communism. God. Okay. This is all right. What's the more directly depressing article? <laughs> really messy. Uh, Missouri counter, County Coroner removed the COVID from death certificates to please grieving families. <laughs> from the, the Washington Post. I'm very pleased. I'm sorry. So all of Missouri's numbers are wrong, or whatever that's, the county's number. That's an option. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do this. You can just go in and be like, actually, it wasn't murder. No, um That would displease he, me. He fell. Like you you're just like you're just like making shit up and, and that's okay. Okay, so you can now get away with murder in this county. Because you just kill your friend and be like, or your 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 family member, and you go to the corner, like it would be really displeasing to me. Yeah. To have gunshot wound or like neck laceration as the cause of death. It would really fuck up our grandma if, <laughs> you, if, if she knew that I murdered him. Well, you can't do this to her. You wouldn't do this to me, Ma, would you? This is like um, all the like, attempted Georgia and Arizona audits, where it's like, we can't offend Trump. We must please, we must please Stalin. Oh, God. I, I just feel bad for Missouri. Well, hey, there's a good thing. there is a good thing in this article, which is he got removed. Right, so at least on some level, yeah, yeah, they wait, wait, understood wait, wait. how insane this was. Wait, he got fired for this. Where's the say? That? Oh no, I'm sorry, I misread that. No, no, I, no. no I was trying to be. The cause of death. Sorry, I, my dyslexia is trying to make this less unethical. <laughs> um, no, 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 he's still there, as far as we know. There's just an expose, and he's like, whatever. This, <laughs> this just ma- makes my mind. the family. Jump back to what <laughs> you were saying last week, Jason, with one of the articles that that you uh, that you put forward. Which is this this absurd idea about people being in conservative areas being terrified about being seen as the shame of dying from COVID, of believing that COVID is real or giving it any validity in any way at all. It's like please corner. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna say yeah, just asking in this corner like please don't put that my family member died on died from COVID on his on his uh, death certificate. It would make my friends so upset. In to, red to America. Yeah. Why don't they just give every you know person on a ventilator who's gonna die in a day just a gun? They're like, oh, he just you know <laughs> he well, died of gun. They're they are like medically induced comas, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Straight to Valhalla. But they just they just need to legalize the the Kovorki and like let the doctor put a bullet in you. And it's like oh, you didn't die COVID. What they really want, and what they I guess need, if this is a thing that we consider like a human need now, they need just police language like they just need the no they need to say um you know uncle joe died from uh a phlegm involved lung filling (laughs) you know like um you know there was an ocular pat down of the of these of the there was a you know pandemic adjacent event um, like a police involved shooting. Yeah, like, like <laughs> they just need to use the laughable euphemistic language we use to never uh, have any accountability for anything, and then they're good. Like they don't need to actually say it wasn't COVID. The viral bogeys, so, uh, bunker busted yeah. his, you know, lungs. Or just do like the Republican thing and be like, China virus. You know, yeah. Put pin these on China. Right, like, if, like if these are gonna, casualties of war. Oh my god, like, that's genius. Right, because like half of them still think it's real, but that it's like a like an op. 
So, like, I feel like that's a good safety valve if you want to be a right-wing crank but don't want to admit that you died of COVID because you're an idiot. Oh, my God, claim that the 600,000 or, or however right. many Americans have died. Like a, a bunker buster missile <laughs> may have blown up 50,000 Chinese invaders, but we, you know, are now Man, suffering a long-lasting... If this attack. happened in George Bush's heyday, we would have said these are war kills. Right. Out of China. That's amazing. Like, it, it's all just the language we use. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to me that he needed to go this far. Um. <laughs> and that's a great article. I love that one. Yeah. Thank you. And, and lest we assume that uh, COVID hysteria, the uh, anti-intellectualism and mental illness that, that seems to have stemmed from people struggling to align their party beliefs with the ongoing pandemic uh, is, is contained to America. Here's another article. Polish far-right group enters orphanage to stop COVID vaccines for children. This is the opening to like a Die Hard movie. Exactly. Like, exactly. This is like a terrorist group, basically. This is like whatever hero. Shoot it, the vials. The hero has to show that even though they're a right-wing, like not, they're still the good guy because they're willing to kill these guys. Like these are the ones that are kids. Yeah, killing these. Killing these terrorists will help me inch away right. from Trump. Exactly. <laughs> Clint Eastwood shows up and blows away, and it's like they're Hamon children. Poland is extremely Christian. Are they Catholic? Are they? Um, yeah. Extremely yeah. Catholic and extremely conservative, given their proximity to all of the rest of you know Western and Northern Europe. Well, recently they have a they have a strong left and right tradition, but in the wake of the pushback against yeah, Soviet, in the last yeah. decade or two, they've had a pretty strong yeah. far right. So this isn't surprising to me, but it is like it's more than Americans would do, because no American over like three hundred pounds who's a conservative would be willing to actually go to an orphanage and do anything. They would just tweet about it and say shit on Facebook about it. Well, first you'd have to find an orphanage, <laughs> which, considering America has basically cut all social services, I mean, it's not as many as you'd, you'd like. And two, this implies that we're vaccinating children, which I don't even think we are yet. In America, um, we're doing 12 and up, I think. It's yeah, so there's a pretty good vaccinated. chance they're not getting vaccinated. Uh, and, Unless these are some old-ass kids in an orphanage. It's like yeah, a teen orphanage. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. It's just all like uh, super... STD vaccines instead. But I also like, <laughs> like, I like that this actually denudes the act of violence. Like, you don't just enter an orphanage. Like, they're not, they're not doing a sit-in. Like, yeah. I guarantee you they're armed. Yeah, but we don't, we don't know if anyone got killed or not. Or... Well, it's not whether they got killed. Like, if you take hostages or you like are storming a building, presumably armed, maybe they weren't armed. Maybe they just ran it with like picket signs. Well, then how how are they stopping the vaccines by just being pricks? They just Canada. slap them out of their hands. Being no, yeah. being pricks. Yeah, because, they're just coming yeah. in there and just like pissing on the floor and like saying like it's not real. Like, yeah, they're just squatting. What are, are they? Are they hooligans? Like, what are they doing? I I, I don't understand it. So, so I would like to at least have the title have been like armed Polish group or s performs nonviolent but deeply idiotic. Uh, and where was this article from? Invasion. It's from a, a Polish website. Here, I'll, I'll post it. Mm -hmm. I would be curious as well to those specifics. Like, even just include like what the outcome was, you know? Like, did they right. stop them? Did the kids get vaccinated or not? Like, that's the, <laughs> the kids part, fought right? back. Yeah the, games. <laughs> yeah, the kids have to wear like little like army uniforms that are like defending their bunks from nutters. Yeah. From nutters. <laughs> Get these nutters out of here.
Oh, by the way, for the image that as soon as you open up the the website, they're all wearing what is essentially a Nazi eagle pin. Uh, Shocking. Um, yeah, well, blame the Romans. I don't know what to tell you. Un unsurprising, but still. No, notable, nonetheless. Ah. And one, one of the embedded tweets says, Jews are behind the pandemic, chanted the crowd at an anti-vaccine protest. Those Chinese Thailand. Jews. Well, they do eat their food a lot. God, this is like a Borat article. Um, <laughs> yeah, really incredible. Love it. Notes from Poland. <laughs> it sounds like a, like, like a fiction story. Like letters uh, from Iwo Jima. Yeah. A novel, yeah. And so let's let's end with one that that is also kind of follows this last thread of COVID that we've been on, COVID news, but uh, it does not evolve quite as much over tragedy or, or absurdity. But I still think highlights uh, highlights how things are often framed towards the wrong type of people and putting the responsibility in on the wrong people's backs, which is some students struggled with absenteeism during COVID-19 pandemic, the district wants to bring them back. So I, I'm obviously, you know, uh, we're all well beyond the years of, of where we might be in middle school or, or high school. Man, I have like, so many dreams around back in high school. It's terrifying. I cannot imagine how difficult this, this must have been for people of, of that age, both just in uh, mental suffering and trying to adapt to the new world and trying to stay engaged with curriculum that I often found incredibly difficult to engage with in person day in, day out with my friends all around me. Yeah. And so for this to say that the district thinks that them missing classes is reasons to force them back into school. I mean, I die with your friends. High school is not that important. Like you should go to high school. Obviously you should try to graduate, but you should not die for that reason, and you certainly shouldn't be punished for missing classes during a global pandemic of unprecedented magnitude. These are like, general delinquents. Yeah. See, we, oh, we have this real problem in this country where because everything's on like a track where you have X many years before you're an adult, before you can vote, before you can go get a job. Mm -hmm. If we fuck up a year or two because we mishandle a global pandemic, you're fucked. Like, you're, you're now multiple years behind the eight ball. So there will be an entire wave. This happened in 2008 with the financial crisis where people our age are fundamentally from an economic and like savings perspective behind the rest of our peers. There will be for decades to come, people who are just behind the eight ball financially, educationally, socially, because of what COVID has wrought for our young people, because of how we, how in America, we try to have people, young people come up in the world. Yeah. Bummer. The, the, the whole, I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Um, generally speaking, in, in any time other than this pandemic, and, and, and at least in a half-decent school system, you would say, okay, the school system is responsible for teaching the kids, but it's also responsible for, like, maintaining a basic degree of, like, mental health for the students so that they don't, like, go insane or try to kill themselves or others or, like, totally fail everything. And, and part of that is having, you know, school therapists. Counselor, you know, having uh, various guys, you know, resources available to cope with these issues uh, to at least some degree. And also, when something's like going really horribly wrong for them, the school is able to make some degree of accommodation. You know, the, the schools would be encouraging safe behavior. Um, and, and in this 
pandemic, the schools are encouraging unsafe behavior by not only uh, suggesting, but in some cases compelling students to re-enter a diseased population during a pandemic. But they're also not providing anywhere near the support systems that you would normally have because the like three counselors are not going to be able to cover hundreds or thousands of kids who are all going to be traumatized by this. Well, so, uh, yeah. how are they supposed to provide that kind of support and care when they're not allowed to place police officers in your homes like they would in the hallways of their school? <laughs> Which is a whole nother discussion. The, uh, the shifting of disciplinarian and care from yeah, teachers. You know, I, I had the privilege of tutoring some students during this whole pandemic era. Yeah. Helping them with high school work, essentially. Catching up, uh, as you said, dealing with those accommodations. And it's been a real train wreck for these kids. I mean, they're on the computer all day anyway. Mixing that with their education is just a recipe for disaster. We all know how about, like, online college is a fucking scam. The idea that we could just make it work for high school and for even younger kids is a fucking joke. And the reality is, like, I don't know how this was handled in 1918. I don't know if our schooling system was as robust back then. But, like, it's fucked. Just give them a year off. Just give them a gap year. And we'll pick it up when things are safe. I don't know. The idea just, like, yeah. push through. Just, like, the grit. Yeah. Just, like, stiff upper lip America. Push through this death of the, you know, the, the, the chipmunks with AIDS or whatever. Like, just push through. No, you can't push through some things. Yeah, and the, that, that tension, that unwillingness, the inflexibility is exactly what you said, Jason. Everything is, is on a strict timeline now. You... If everyone else isn't taking a, a year off to tend to obvious needs of these children's well-being, then they can't as well, because then they'll be lost. They'll well, be let, me, let me briefly return, you know, kind of end where we began with shitting on Kamala Harris. There's a famous, <laughs> um, you know, video clip of her talking about um, how she loved putting the parents of absentee children from school in jail. Um, and she was oh, saying nice. that this was a great policy, and she loved doing it, and she was yucking it up while talking about throwing these kids' parents in jail, because she thought it was important that kids get an education. And any parent who would let their child skip school is clearly the reason they're missing school and the reason why they're not getting a good education. And it would be better for that student if their parent was a felon. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe how really unpopular Really set up for success. Now, fortunately, she was the Republican candidate who was defeated. In, oh, wait, I'm getting a call. That's wrong. She's vice president. <laughs> um, but this attitude which is that horrific systemic problem happens. The poor and less educated and, and worse off Not an institutional problem. inevitably suffer from those institutional problems. And then the other institutions that are well-funded, like jails and police, brutalize those vulnerable victimized peoples because of the things that they're not able to do as well as they used to because of the first victimization. It's, it's, the, it's the double tap drone strike equivalent for our domestic policy. These people are skipping school because they're clinically depressed or because they're incredibly anxious or because they have coronavirus or because any number of things went wrong because the state has not properly grappled with the pandemic. And to now try to like legally coerce them in a way that could potentially result in consequences that go on a record back to school is missing the entire point. If someone's missing shit, there's probably a reason. It's not just like they're assholes. Like the, the, the framing is it's still on this individual responsibility tip as if each of these kids needs to like bootstrap themselves during like the worst event that's happened in their or their parents' lifetimes to the entire world. Also, I love how um, the solution here 
is you know what's going to make them love school again? Being in with the plague. And that won't cause more absenteeism. The Being, only ethical yeah. thing to do during this period would to not be going to school. Being dragged to school by like a Gestapo officer. People, like, people are getting brown bagged and thrown in the school bus. Right, like, like we throw them in a detention center and just put like high school on top of it. Because like, what are you going to do? How do you enforce this? Oh man, we got to talk about Fort Bliss at some point. There's two ways. There's there's two ways to enforce this. You literally physically force them to go, which involves like policing, or you inflict financial or legal consequences on their family, which does exactly what Harris was doing. So like, what are either of those things helping in a pandemic? Are either of those things incentivizing kids to learn? It's absurd. It may as well say, like, like student, students required to raise their self-esteem under threat of punishment. Like, what, what, what do you, like, what? Come on. It's just, like the depression isn't real arguments. Yeah. yeah. Just do it. What? Just always individual responsibility, never right. individual care, care yeah, or anything you know, else. The, the beatings will continue until morale improves. As usual, I've ended the day feeling worse than it began. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Aiden. These were these were particularly for my daily lashings. This is a, a spicy meatball. I had two onion articles, but I did not think they were necessary considering how absurd some of these ended up being. I thought for sure several of these were them. Uh huh. Nah, because onion articles are at least funny. These are all just depressing. God. And that's and that's the news, folks. That's the news. Well, on to more pressing things, like the Predator franchise. Are you talking about Cuomo? <laughs> there it is. Yes, the, 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 the family, the, the franchise family, family. The, the nepotistic Predators. Holy yeah. shit. Well, we don't know shit about Chris. Well, I, I was talking probably about his dad, honestly. All we know about Chris is that, like, he hates being referred to as Fredo yeah. or something. He claims that's racist. He's smart. He's smart. What, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> what, what do you got, Chase? Right, so recently I realized my brother has not seen many of the classic films that have made my life what it is. And so I thought it would be funny if he watched the original Predator. So many memes come from it, so many just cultural and social references are made from it, and it's a solid movie. Um, so I thought it would be cool if Alex saw it with me. So we watched that, and we got Aiden to watch it. And then I remembered that this franchise, along with Alien, which they are both integrally you know, linked, have some real stinkers too, and some that are just kind of there. <laughs> so in the la in the latter vein, I had us all watch Predators, the 2010, not sequel but semi soft reboot, uh, which essentially does a retelling of the original 1987 film, but in a 2010 you know Obama era perspective. It's bigger. There's more people. There's more predators. There's more action. This is an overall exactly what you'd expect from a 2010 schlock action film. And we're going to compare and contrast them, what we like about each, what we dislike, what we think they speak about uh, in, ter in terms of the era in which they came out of, uh, and just what we thought overall. So, first of all, I, I thought that they were... Uh, I mean, I, I expected them to be different, obviously. I, I, watched, I watched Predators first and then I yeah i was actually the, curious about that because i was wondering if that was going to warp your expectations for the 1987 version with schwarzenegger yeah because 
because Predator is it's it's competent, but Adrian Brody is like the main man is a weird choice and it's got the weird IDF aspect to it. Um, and it just Adrian Brody doesn't quite carry it the same way as Arnold does. I was just wondering, you know, because sometimes, like I found this the case with uh, Watchmen. I watched the 2009 film before I read the graphic novel. I loved both, but I actually found that the film, in my mind, did a better way of telling the story. Uh, even though, obviously, most people are like, how dare you, you fucking loser, you, you treasonous bastard. You have to like the graphic novel more. And I also feel the same way about V for Vendetta, where I, I watched the film first, the film adaptation, then I read the graphic novel. Both were great, but I liked the way the film conveyed the story. And maybe it's just my own flaw. I like the way films can tell stories better than graphic novels do. Because I'm so visually and audio focused. Yeah, I I I, I was the same briefly uh, to get off from Predators uh, with Watchmen, and I think I preferred the the graphic novel more. But I think I, yeah, I don't think I really tend towards like I think I probably do have a preference in general for newer or more more recent filmmaking. But I grew up watching enough films from like the 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. Uh, but especially, obviously, we're talking about the 70s and 80s. That it, it wasn't strange or, or uh, like it didn't seem too archaic to me. Yeah, um, it wasn't the original King Kong. Yeah, exactly. Or the train or, driving through the or, or like singing in the rain or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, first of all, I, I agree. in Predators, um, I found that kind of comedic that Adrian Brody was the tough guy, leading man. No, he actually did fine acting. But I, it just I, wasn't really believable. I believed him more and enjoyed him more towards, like, as the movie went on towards the end. But I'd, I'd seen him before, like, almost entirely in, like, rom coms or in, like, the kind of, like, yeah. high budget, yeah, art films and high stuff like that. Shit. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I mentioned off mic that the, uh, the original Predator had kind of the slow pacing that I remember from a lot of films, slower pacing, I should say of uh even action films from that time like the original terminator uh even die hard even though die hard is a bit more action-packed and, and tighter um yeah, and also shot in the original predator for like 20 25 minutes yeah um but i i also it, it also made me more aware of how many nods there were to the original predator in, yeah. in predators uh, i mean obviously like the most obvious one was when the idf uh woman talks about <laughs> the original Predator story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also just like uh, Mahershala Ali's character, the the African warrior character uh, in Predators has oh, like a, a a sixth sense. Yeah, way underused. He's a fantastic. Oh, actor. I have this written down. Oh, you want you want to make it? Yeah, joke? yeah. I I've coined a phrase. It's the new kind of ESP, ethnic sense perception. Yeah, really because like both in the original okay. Predator and in Predators 2010, the most ethnic person on the screen has an innate sense that they're being yep. watched, that there's a predator around them. In the first film, I don't remember the character's name, but he's clearly like Native American. Yeah. And he's got his big Bowie knife, and he's on the log looking around, and he just has this sense they're being stalked. And in, and in the new one, the nod to that is where Mahershala Ali, who plays like a, a Sierra Leone African warlord, he just he just can sense that they're in danger. The, the animal aspect of his of his, you know, pigments there's, there's is... There's a real magic Negro kind of vibe there. Exactly. And the, the, yeah, but here the it's Native American. Like, well, it's always supposed to be positive. Like, yeah, but magical Negro shit's like. Yes, really it is, good. and that's exactly what it was here too. It, like the, yeah, these are these no. are ridiculous tropes. This is our biggest disagreement. Uh, these, yet. these are these are ridiculous <laughs> tropes that are basically used to say, 
not only do we have like liberal style representation, but we never have to address anything about the actual conflicts between these like. like oh my god, groups. that's so accurate! In in from the first to second film, uh, it's a similar number of people. There's a couple more people in the, in the 2010 one, but in the first one, it's Arnold and like a bunch of white dog guys and two black guys. And one Native American guy. It's the representation. This one, like somewhat Hispanic guy, all War. pretty much GI Joes. They're all G American GI Joes. And in the second film, it is. It's like the Rainbow right. Coalition. There's there's machete. There's there's a uh, cartel guy. There's a African warlord. There's a yakuza. There's a <laughs> there's the Israeli IDF yes. chick. There's like an American the doctor. Of scumbags. Yeah, exactly. Of, of yeah. killers. Um, and then there's the prisoner, uh, you know, uh, by the actor I like. Uh, there's a whole, the whole gamut of characters is so much more what we think of now as like ID Paul, like representation. Right. I would be surprised if this movie was remade in 2020. Like, here's my gay husband. Like, one of them would have to be gay. One of them would have adopted would, a black kid. Argue, like, they would have just kept pushing I think the this is part of a, a. One of them's Latinx. The broader so. argument that I would make for both of these films is that they are very representative of the wars they followed. Exactly. So. The Reagan era kind of reflection on Vietnam, where we're trying to and Guatemala well, yeah, and Iran. about those because those are not supposed to. Be. All the South American. So it was a mixture between Vietnam and all the South American dirty wars and, and proxy for Vietnam for uh, that we were involved in. Um, but all the tropes were like the Vietnam style. Like there's a disproportionate number of black people. We, you know, it's it's a bunch of like GI Joe American guys somehow like fighting in a dense foliage jungle. They're playing '60s anti-war music. Yeah, like. Somehow the thing they're attacking is like a guerrilla camp in the jungle instead of like the government, which was what was usually being overthrown by these guys. So they were almost doing like the Viet Cong thing where they're like hiding in camps as opposed to. So there was there's a lot of kind of blending between Vietnam and, and those dirty wars that Reagan got us into. Yeah. But the the G.I. Joe bullshit that, that was going on then had, had there was not really any pretense of representation. There's not really any pretense of being like liberal in any sense. It was just No, they're all just yeah. jacked. They use they call everyone horrible slurs yeah. and they hold me. And as guns. a result, the highest like the highest ethic there's basically two. Be true to your homeboys, like be be good American. Like like you, you look out for the other Americans. Bros before right, you exactly. So it's like it's like be a good American troop. And then the second most important value is be an Anne Randy and Supermensch. And just like yeah, be the top dog of everything. Like so so Arnold Schwarzenegger is basically like a Nazi perfect soldier. Like genetically modified from Austrian right. stock to defeat aliens. He never panics. He never loses his cool. He never freaks out. He never has a moment where he's, you know, distracted. He's just locked However, in, ready to first. By survive. the second, well, not the second, but by the other movie we watched, which was after the Iraq and Afghanistan wars had not ended, but gone disastrously, and everyone was clearly tired of them by, by Obama's time. Oh, yeah. Uh, by we have a leader who is. Like P like PTSD damaged, totally checked out. He doesn't believe in the American project. Now he's like a Blackwater guy, basically. He's like he's kind of got a little bit of ethics, but they're like deeply buried beneath like black pill cynicism. Um, and the only group, the only person, and therefore group that is being represented positively in the entire evil rainbow coalition is Israel. In the form of the IDF chick, who's the one more in the first movie, it's just some random chick yeah. who's not a soldier mm -hmm. at all, 
and in the, and in the second film, they just make her another Ubermensch. And not only that, but they they choose the most she's they choose the most Jewish looking man on earth to play the Blackwater like you know op guy. And then they choose, I think, like a Latina woman. I don't know why to, to play. Yeah, yeah. most Hispanic looking woman. They, to play they choose an incredibly Hispanic woman, but they call her an Israeli, you know, an IDF uh, troop. I mean, she's a sniper. She's a sniper, so she's like blowing the hands off of. Who had the trauma of watching her sniper friend right, exactly. get killed by? She has the job of like blowing off the hand of a Palestinian who was holding a soda can menacingly. So, like, she's a cool person. She's good. She's very good. Um, Quick tangent: um, in World War Z, which Aiden and I previously talked about, uh, they a, a, a big chunk of that film takes place in Israel, and they actually got like a really is a real Israeli woman to be the actress, and it makes sense. Like, it looks realistic. Yeah. And ironically, she loses her hand too. But my point is. That film like does representation right. They actually cast actors for the area they're trying to cover. When they go to Korea, you see some Korean people. When you go to Israel, you see some Israeli people and some Palestinian people. Like in this, it's just like whatever. She's but, hot. I, make her I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that the, the ethos of Obama era was America is no longer like in a position of moral supremacy to just like do whatever Reagan era stuff would have been. And in fact, the wars went really bad. So the only thing we can do is essentially use mercenaries to support Israel to do it for us, is the kind of vibe of who's good in this movie. The irony is, in the at the end of Predator, the first one, it's a really hopeful movie because Arnold survives. He escapes. He kills the right. predator and gets away to live a, to tell the story live another right. day. In the end of Predators 2010, they're stranded on like a hunting grounds planet in a different fucking galaxy. Like there is no right, hope in that film. That film ends with they, uh, Adrian Brody and the IDF chick survive, and they witness the next batch of people parachuting down to be which killed is by just, Predators. It is so which is just endless dark. conflicts with non-state actors. Like they're, they're, the symbolism exactly. really literal. Like there will be an unlimited number of individuals who are fighting in these endless little skirmishes forever. Because for sport, because there's no end to the war on terror, and there can never be an end, right? Oh my god, see, there is politics. I, I was these. thinking about this, like, we there, found it. We there really gold. are some politics in these movies, but it's like it's like on the subliminal level, like, it's not, it's not, it's, it's meta politics, yeah, exactly. Um, and so the whole kind of vibe back. of the, the Obama era, like, war was bad, but we don't really have a solution, so it's just like kind of resist resilience in the face of being black pilled, I guess, like. And there's way high tech shit. Like there's a predator drone, yeah, literally. I, uh, there's the dogs. Like it is. It is way more brutal. Whereas in the first film, it's just uh, a single predator. So you feel like even though he's outnumbered, he's huge and he's tough and he can out tactic the tacticians, the the CIA experts and the military man of America. But in the second film, the numbers aren't that unequal. There's four predators and some twists in there of two two other semi antagonists. And it's it's almost just like a real skirmish, like an actual guerrilla warfare between two similar sized factions. It doesn't feel like a single monster hunting its prey. Just like the Middle East, we managed to support two different parties to the conflict. Right, yeah. We sick the Mujahideen and the ISIS yeah. against the Taliban. We sick everyone against yeah. each other. Um, but I will say one other thing briefly. The the both films have a bunch of disposable characters who can be put, killed. Followed by the ultimate victory of the American man and the girl, um, and this is a very consistent trope throughout basically all forms of American like white supremacy, etc., colonialism, which is we're making the land safe for the women, 
and we're making we're we're just we're defeating the the evil alien you know the 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 indian the the mexican the black whatever to protect our white women folk essentially for the virtuous colonization of the land and the children that will follow and i really got the vibes of that from these movies where the ubermensch man ends up like fighting to protect everyone else from the alien so the woman can survive I actually disagree. The women a little both bit are totally because helpless because one's always helpless and the other one's paralyzed. I disagree a little bit because in both films, the woman's not like the white woman that Americans are typically saving. And we're not exactly doing the colonizing. Like the plot of the first predator is just to get the fuck out of the jungle. And the plot of the second movie is you're not getting out of anywhere. So you're not saving or colonizing shit. Like to me, they're they're even they're more cynical than that. And they don't they don't there's not even space for that positive spin of like white man's burden manifest destiny okay if predator 2010 went full trash and like an american ship flies in at the end to rescue them then i'd agree with you but because the movie's so hopeless at the end i don't quite see the space there for that imperialism the the aliens are killed and the girl survives that's it but more aliens are coming yeah. More evil humans are ever, coming. Yeah, and they're to be ever vigilant because the terror threat isn't over. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, it's a never-ending mowing the grass to protect Israel. Like it, it's it's literally the metaphor of endless yeah. conflict against the alien to protect our women, which is like the one of the oldest tropes in white supremacy. But, but I feel like I could get on board with that if they if he if Adrian Brody actually got away on that spaceship and it wasn't blown up. Well, then but he would have abandoned her. Well, let's say he was able to. Let's say the guy didn't do the betrayal and he got yeah, her on the ship. Yeah. They escaped, like and you know, like auto coordinated to to Earth. That I think that it would it would feel that like that feel good vibe at the end. But because it's so much more cynical as an ending, I I kind of see what you're saying, but um, to me that's even a little too reading in conspiratorial. I'm not I, that's saying something. Talking about the the original again, I also think it's it's a bit interesting the framing. Of clearly, Carl Weathers' character is supposed to be like the the most you get for a villain on the human side. Yes, and Carl Weathers is a pussy. That's his biggest downside. He's now a he, pencil pusher who does paperwork instead of actually being out in the field with his boys. It's that, and it's that he held back a bit of information. It's not at all that they're engaging in a, in, in some kind of illegal op somewhere, or that any kind of extra judicial action or killing is being taken. Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy because he's a bit of a rebel because he doesn't do straight assassinations, even though it's clearly shown that what his squad is adept at is fucking exploding an entire it's town. Like blowing so- up everything in sight. Mowing down the entire forest with a minigun. Far more people than the Predator, by the way. But once again, I think that's... I think that's kind of satirical. I don't think the original Predator articulates... This is a good worldview. I think what it does is the same as in the 2010 version. It sets up that these guys are badasses with no moral code. So, like, they're capable of immense violence. And yet here's this Predator who's even more capable. They're trying to make you afraid of Arnold and his cohort of being, like, super badasses. And then they're immediately eviscerated. Like, oh, shit, this thing's really scary. So, for me, it's just setting up the stakes. Uh, not quite as politically coded. Just It just has the veneer of the 1980s era kind yeah, of Sure, fun. but the dehumanization and irrelevance of annihilating that many people just before the... Yeah, but that's, that's, to me, that's like played for joke. That's like a joke. I don't think it is. Like they, in, they did individual bits that were kind of funny, but they didn't... They're playing cards and they're just like right, jumping There's out like visceral ripping them apart, like blood is... No, there's There's, not. there's so no much gore. Uh, 
There's no well, it, gore. No, it, it, Alex, it, you're wrong. It, there is no gore for the like Guatemalans or whatever who are being killed. The only time there's gore is when I'm the not predator someone's spine up. gets ripped out. I'm just saying yeah. that like there's like they're using squibs. They're using like uh, rocket propelled grenades and like burning people alive. Like that was a yeah, but, okay. But the predator shoots a hole through Jesse Ventura's chest. That's when there's sure, gore. I, I'm not talking about like horror movie gore. I'm just saying this was not done off camera. They relished like they did this incredibly yeah. long, incredibly brutal scene of like what in any other context would be like a war crime. Yeah, but it's played for laughs. Right. It's played for this is actually that really has fun. political content. Like when you play when you play a genocidal act for laughs, you're not really valuing the people who are being used as who knows? Maybe it's played since we see that these guys are villains and you're rooting for Predator. I don't know. You know the point is, this can be interpreted anyway. You know that's not true. We're not rooting for the Predator. Not necessarily. The guy who made the original Predator is not some fucking hawk. No, but he's not a he's not a Maoist third worldist. He, he, you know, he's, he's not trying to make the Predator the hero. Um, the, 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 I mean, other than Jesse Ventura, who's like an open... There isn't always a protagonist. Just because there's a character on screen who does doing things, doesn't mean you have to root for them. Just because Arnold is a badass doesn't mean you have to like him and approve of his moral conditions. I think you're supposed to, though. Yeah, I think you're supposed to. The way it's filmed, you're supposed to. I'm not as attached to characters that way. Well, I, I think, I think also it kind of just goes to the, the idea that even let's let's say, yes, this isn't the most politically loaded film of all the ones of its time. It's part of a pastiche of films during that time who all kind of celebrate this type of soldier, ex-soldier, rookie, renegade cop, whatever you want to call them, whose violence and badassery, often against classic American enemies, as as we've t been taught in history class to view them, or by uh, by institutions to view them as such. And to, to kind of take the idea that things that, if they were in a serious context, which obviously they're not usually in these hokey action films. Right, the whole point of a film is to see escapism. But people, a lot of people don't draw that distinction. Like these things do, I think. Yeah, that's on people... them. If people unironically think Starship Troopers is pro fascism, like then you're just dense. I mean, it was actually pretty. A lot of people are not going to catch that. That's a fairly subtle. Well, then they're dense. I don't have to tell them. When fucking what's his name comes out in a full SS uniform, and it's like the brain bug has emotions. Like, like half Americans can't find a rack on a map. How much like background are they supposed to have to watch a movie? They can't find their state. Well, on like, map. how much are they supposed to look for like certain signals and cues? And, yeah, but uh... okay, but Alex, it's not art. Not all art is for the masses. I'm not sure Predator was supposed to be like a blockbuster. It happened to become a blockbuster. The same thing was true with the original Terminator. Terminator's about a killing robot. He's not, you know, Arnold is not the protagonist of that film, yet he's on the screen the most, and you see his decision-making the most, and you see his violence the most. It's not articulating you should approve of his violence. As some films are just art. Some stories use the villain as the person that they follow. Just because something blows up and becomes popular doesn't mean it was designed for the masses and is designed to be a blockbuster and is designed to be easily consumed by the smooth brain masses. Maybe, but I'm not really concerned with whether it was intended to be X, Y, or Z. The question is, what is it? What does it say? Like, how do we interpret it? Um, and so the, the, the movies as presented have politically loaded visuals and, and, and statements and effects. Like, it's not, a, it's not an explicitly political film. It's not like saying, here's our message and so on and so. But like, who is, who is centered literally in the camera and also the story follows their acts and also they well, win, uh, you know, matters. The director of Predator is certainly no malice. It's John, Mc, uh, John McTiernan who directed Predator, Die Hard, and Hunt right. for Red So, you know. So he loves his Cold yeah. War. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's like a secret, like, 
you know, CIA plant to make sure we all become, you know, talks. But but clearly the the protagonist that role, is the dressing. The protagonist role, whether he's good or evil, but the main character is this like Ubermensch Austrian who has no seeming ethics yeah, outside you know, of it. Yeah, but you know what the original Predator doesn't do? It doesn't lay it on thick how evil the people they're shooting are. Right. It just takes it as accepted. Like, so yeah, CIA go and do yeah. Black Ops, and you just watch it. Well, like they, they I, don't establish like they voided a, le- a legitimate election of a capitalist. They don't have to I, do any of that. It's I just would, whatever. They go to jungle. They kill Bad Man. I would say they kind of do do that because they start that scene by showing a cold blooded execution of a bound prisoner by these people. Yeah, they get one little shot where they kick the dog. But then, as you find out, <laughs> when Carl Christ. Weathers was lying about who killed his original squad, it wasn't these dudes. It was Predator. So that actually gets undone a lot. But I'd just like to point out, this is a purely aggressive operation. Like, these are, this is like a oh, camp yeah. in the middle of nowhere in another country. They're not under attack. They're clearly the aggressors. Like, they're entering the encampment of a people in a foreign country and killing everyone. Yeah, Alex, you're... Uh, but, yes, but this is just the setting for many right. films. Like, this isn't... Like... We we all know America does war crimes. That's not like on right, the but when you ballot. when you put it's war not... crimes in a movie and they're there as a goof, it says something. It's, I I read it as satire. You can read it serious. It doesn't really matter. That's all perspective. So so what else do you think we should compare and contrast about these films? Because I still think there's a lot of meat on the bone um, in the second film about the two different kinds of predator. Like there's already ID Paul and in fighting in in the 2010 film. Uh, there's all sorts of like bonus powers the ethnic people get in the second film, where the Yakuza guy actually solos a predator. There's all sorts of cool shit to still talk about. I I had no idea what what, what the point was of that of the infighting between the, the predators. To be honest, it it kind of just seems like a plot device. I didn't really understand how it bore out in, in any way. They just wanted to show a predator fighting a predator scene and they had to I think I think so. <laughs> Which was cool. It was cool to watch, but and then it gets yeah. decapitated and the other one gets decapitated. You're like, justice for your little predator. Because there uh, wasn't even the Deus Ex Machina. Like he literally fails to do the one thing he was free to do. Right, he gets and fucking owned it doesn't matter. But see that's why I love this film because it's so much cinema. It's so it like you're it gives you some tropes, but then all the other tropes it just shits on. It's like they're not escaping. There's no Deus Ex Machina. The escape ship blows up. <laughs> They're totally fucked here. Lawrence Fishburne's an asshole. Surgeons are assholes. Like it just, it just takes all your expectations and just takes. I also, say the second movie just kind of sucked. Like the, the plot made no sense. <laughs> like there were a lot of things that just made no sense. Like a guy revealing himself to people he doesn't trust, bringing him into his home, which he doesn't want them in. To feed them, which he doesn't want to do, to then kill them because he doesn't want to feed them. Like, none of these things had to happen. You also tell the predator where he is when he's successfully hidden. And he then gets evaporated worse than anyone's ever Mm -hmm. gotten it. It was like the nanny in Jurassic World. (laughs) How do they get his spine after that? Like, suddenly they're destroying (laughs) the trophies now because it would be cool? Like... Well, I guess they were mad pissed at him because he'd evaded them. Then that's the even more valuable trophy. Yeah, well, some it's like Felix likes to say, you know, would like me when I'm pissed. When you're really pissed off a predator, it just evaporates you. Yeah. Well, it's canon. Oh, and then the fucking the the little like redeeming moment is when the prisoner who's talking about like raping people then like jumps in front of like fights off a predator and, and helps his team get away. 
and then he gets his spine ripped out while he's still alive. So Talk about the fact that there are two <sighs> psychotic Americans in this movie who are not with given guns. One of whom is an open, admitted serial rapist who dies heroically, and one of whom is a quiet medical doctor who dies a rapist, or like about to be. <laughs> dies a psychopath killer who wants to stay on an alien so, planet. Oh, I man. Don't, I don't know what the point of that was. It kind of felt like the writers just gave up, but the like set 70 show actor who suddenly decides to cripple and like kind of look like he's menacing in some way that woman yeah it kind of implies like maybe it's rape or maybe he's just gonna murder her maybe he's gonna like i don't know it's not i don't know they don't get to it i get i get big dennis vibes like he's gonna cut her into a million pieces and put her in a box yeah it was it was super he was gonna do something i don't know what but he was gonna do something and it was gonna be bad and he's only stopped because like the the Blackwater guy shows up at the you know the last second. And fucking Walton Goggins is like a racist rapist with a heart of gold. It yeah. makes no sense. Why is he fighting for his team's survival? Yeah, oh, I just, like there was a lot of I love this very kind of weird, dark, like sexual reference in the movie. And there's the Russian guy who just like loves his family. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. The, the the movie felt like it was almost like an exploitation film, but it was like shot and exploiting yeah, everything yeah, yeah. a little. Like they couldn't decide on a single exploitation, so like let's just throw in as many tropes as we can and just like get pet through them. Um, oh, Alex, even better. The chick who played the IDF lady is Brazilian, well, of course, because she didn't look remotely Israeli. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of felt uncomfortable. I guess throughout the the Predators film, I kind of felt like at all times, like I wanted them to die. Um, like every one of them was pretty much a scumbag or politically a scumbag. It's almost like you, what you're talking about. We're like by 2010, the mask is off about whether these people. Yeah. Are like in 1987, you I guess if you're like a psycho, you know Jesse Ventura type, you could be sad for every time one of the CIA guys gets killed. But in 2010, you're kind of like, who am I rooting for? Do I want to see a predator eviscerate someone? I felt more emotion for Jesse Ventura getting exploded <laughs> than I did for anyone in Predator. And he was portrayed <laughs> as a massive asshole. Yeah, he was a huge but asshole. But because he had like character yeah. and he was kind of funny and he like protected right. his bros, it was like, all right. That's something. That's something to know? grab onto. I mean, the 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 supposed hero, you know, if, if we're trying to pretend that there's a protagonist of of the newer film. It, you know, Adrian Brilliant's character, basically his his criticism of the IDF woman is Be soft. Yeah, is Go the harder on these kids. Is her hypocrisy that she pretends to kill for her country instead of just admitting to like killing like, like he does. It. And then he kills Tover Grace because Tover Grace admits I just love killing people. No, but you don't have a gun. You have to kill the guns. <laughs> You can't be creepy yeah, about it's it. The creepy, it's the creepy yeah, yeah, exactly. the problem not to kill it. It's just the unchill vibes. Yeah. And he goes not... full heel turn for no reason when he's in still in. In both anger. movies, the ultimate um, sort of moral defect is losing. Like if like if, yeah, if you exactly. if you can't hack it, like if you can't survive, then you're a pussy. You know what it is? It, it's sports again. Except in the first film, you're you you're rooting for Arnold and team. And in the second film, you're just watching a game of a sport where you don't care about either team. You just want to see carnage. Yeah, pretty much. 
Not that, not that I cared a ton about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I did care about him at least yeah. a little bit. I, I was mentioning, uh, Alex, while you were away, to Aiden, we should watch AVP because AVP is also this level of dumb where it's like, it's because the aliens are terrifying and the Predators are trying to kill the aliens, the Predators team up with humans to fight off if, aliens. If, if, we, if we get a truly generous donation, <laughs> I will consider that. But I am not subjecting myself to further Predator lore AVP anytime is great. soon. I love dumb movies like this. You guys are just hating. The first movie, I was like, I got a lot of meme references out of it. Enjoy the dumb. There were a dumb. few actors who were good enough to kind of carry it for me. The second one was just not good. Yeah, I, I will agree. that The cast is stronger in the original yeah. Predator. Each character, even even the ones that don't have much character, like Shane Black, they kind of grow on you, and then they get immediately like, smashed by a log. And it, doesn't have, it doesn't happen but... in the second one. Like The two of the best characters are killed in the first 20 minutes. Right, fucking Mahershala gets yeah. in a trap. And, and the guy... Uh, Danny Trejo yeah. gets like eviscerated off screen yeah. and then turns into another trap. It's like, oh, come on. And Lawrence Fishburne gets all of 10 minutes before he right. becomes a gibbering psycho and is killed. So, like, all the best actors get hardly any time. And then we're left to follow this, like, American Israeli love story for another brutal 40 minutes of nothing. So, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, that's the movie corner. Obviously, there's way many more movies to talk about, and obviously, many every movie has some sort of ever they came out in and some political connotation and some something to talk about. So there was certainly no shortage of things to discuss. Yeah, but uh, I enjoyed those films. I know it was suffering for some of you, but I also enjoy that. I mean, so, I, I I will say I did I did enjoy Predators more than I enjoyed Predator. Really? In the end. Yeah, let's I, 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 I yeah. too. I, I just I do like that schlock, you know. Yeah, I love the dumb schlock. I have a real soft spot for like that 2010s era of uh of a movie where you go in knowing Expendables and all that trash. Yeah, exactly. Like I've watched the first Expendables a ton of times, and I think it's a <laughs> shitty movie, but I still enjoy it. But like I think also because I went into Predator with expectations of a classic, probably. Yeah. Um, and I I I wouldn't say it was a bad movie, but you know, probably not one I'll be rewatching for a while. Yeah, it's what it's like. It's on your resume. You've watched it. You don't yeah. need to watch it anymore. You got the memes. You got everything you need. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'd rather watch Predators than like read any of these articles, but not by like a lot. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. I, I, I think the pro- only problem with the 2010 movie is that's a little bit longer, and even though there's more schlock, it's like a little more of a grind. Whereas the first movie is a little more artistic in my in my sense. So I like I like them both, but I, I think the original Predator is actually quite a good film. And I think the 2010 one is just action turned it turned from like horror thriller to action schlock, while trying to maintain the same universe. It's almost like the difference between Dead Space Two and Dead Space Three. Like yeah, they're both competent third person shooters, but one of them is a continuation of a really good horror story, and one is just co op action bullshit. So well, even within see, the same franchise, that that's I I thought that Predators was going to be like a. Uh... A different take on on like the original predator story but still take that still keep that kind of horror survival thing because like i i think i mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about watching it or, or i just watched that one i had that it, it reminded me of the cube because you have all these strangers with with dark backgrounds thrust together yeah. uh, in, in a, a need for survival so i thought it was going to be much more about like interhuman conflict about morality so and so, but no, it kind of just ended up being. Yeah, there's a... actually really minimal conflict between the humans and yeah. films. There's a little more played up in 2010 Predators, but not to anything substantial until the last like betrayals. 
but even those feel like at toke you know to, uh, added on for fluff well if you enjoy if you enjoy classic 80s action films or 2010 uh b or c movies i'm sure you really enjoyed this uh otherwise uh hopefully you turn this off you were at least entertained by how completely different each of our views were we have identical political worldviews and totally divergent hollywood yeah. views. if you didn't enjoy these movies you're a bunch of slack jawed leftist yeah um, you know the, yeah. that's pretty much the, the the take here um i think we're gonna sign off here before i go further insane uh Thank you for, for thank you for hanging out with us this time. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy what we do here at the Non-Essential Workers Podcast and you want to support us, please check us out at patreon.com slash non-essential workers podcast or by clicking the link below. For five bucks, you get access to the Patreon feed and twice. That's right, twice as many total episodes. How many more? I'll say it one more time for the back twice. <laughs> Anyways, thanks and see you next time.